Ladies and gentlemen, it is hockey night in New York. Welcome to the program. It is Friday, September 13th, 2019. The summer is over. Backstreet is back. <laughs> Andrew Gross from Newsday is going to join us to talk plenty of aisles. We're going to talk what happened over the summer. We're going to talk training camp. We're going to talk the upcoming season. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Tony Stabile. Tony, how are you? What's up, my man? How are we doing, sir? I never thought in my entire life that we would have a podcast and we'd be playing the Backstreet Boys. On. Oh, I did, pal. You really? It was inevitable. It was going <laughs> to happen eventually. We just had to wait for the right time. And tonight was it. Well, tonight was it. We are, we are back. We are back. We are back. It's been about two months plus. The summer has come and gone. It always goes a little too quick. But if you're excited about hockey, it can't come soon enough. The fall is here. Media day was yesterday. Training camp started today. The boys are back on the ice. Excitement is in the air. Tony, how was your summer, pal? Summer was good, man. Summer was really good. Got to get away a little bit. Um, just, it was nice. It was beautiful. I mean, look, beautiful weather. Sure. It was just, uh, it was relaxing. I again got to take some time off of work. Good uh, for you. Got, uh, got to go down to the shore. Got to go up to Lake George, which was nice. Ooh. Yeah, I haven't been up there since I was a little kid. So okay. That was fun, and uh, yeah, it was good. You know, time with the kids, and uh, it was a good time. Excellent, excellent. That is good to hear. Mine was nice as well, but that's not why people tuned in. So let's talk a little Islanders you know, here, buddy. I think you sell yourself short there a little bit, buddy. I, <laughs> oh, I you think, think so? I think people, you think uh, people want to know? I think people want to know exactly. <laughs> okay. So what did you do on June 29th? I don't. God only knows. All right. Well, okay. Yeah. I just figured I'd ask, you know. All right. So let's get into it here. Like I said, camp has started. The preseason starts on Monday. They'll be playing Philly. We already had a rookie game the other night. We're going to talk to Andrew Gross a little bit about that because he was in Allentown to check the game out. We'll see how the prospects are doing. But, Tony, uh, plenty to cover here, and everybody was waiting for some big move to happen this summer. We, we were teased. We, we can go back to July 1st, and we all thought that the Isles were going to be landing the big fish. Bob McKenzie, Elliot Friedman teased us the night before. We were talking about line combinations with Panera and the Islanders that we night. We did have that conversation. We, no, I know. We did. We had Andy on, and we talked about it. But, you know, just to, to go back through it, you know, even after that happened, everybody, including myself, was still kind of hoping, maybe even expecting at least something to happen because everybody on the Islanders, you know, uh, fandom has been talking about adding something to that top six. And it hasn't happened, and there is not much time now between now and the puck drop in October. And, look, we'll see what camp brings because – who knows? We might see some guys getting bumped out, particularly on defense. I think the forwards are kind of where they are at the moment. We might see a young guy or two wedge their way in. We'll talk about that. But I would think that, you know, there's a little disappointment in Iowa the country because they didn't land that big fish to, you know, help out the scoring. That's kind of what everybody's been talking about with this team. Great defensively, great goaltending. Obviously, that's something we're going to have to discuss. Mm-hmm. But you know, everybody wanted to see a little more offense. And, you know, the quick fix, get somebody from out, out of town. That hasn't happened. It looks like, as, as of this point, that's going to come from within. And I will say this. Maybe, like, go back 48 hours, and I was a little disappointed nothing happened. And then you get Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz back behind the microphones. 
getting interviewed. And I'm like, you know what? Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> Everything's yeah. going to be okay. Yeah, I, I could, I, look, I could see it. I can understand the frustration. And look, we all, everybody wants to, to bring in that big player, you know, either via free agency or via trade or whatever. But I think really this was the summer of the RFA. You know, there were so many restricted free agents. None of them signed. And it's not over yet. And the domino really just fell tonight. Right. The guy who everybody was waiting on right. was Mitch Marner. He signs tonight, signs a $65.5 million deal with Toronto over six years. So this is really this this is really going to be the the point where all of these other RFAs are now going to start to and you right. saw it with the defense the other day okay you saw I, Ivan Provorov uh, resigned uh, right. in Philadelphia Morrison so, uh, signed as well jo- yeah Josh Morrissey resigned so you, you're starting to see some of these guys come into the fold but you do have some players out there who a are are not close. And B, that are under a tremendous cap crunch. You know, you, you look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is in a really bad situation with their cap, and they have to sign Braden Point. And they, you know, even though Braden Point wants to be there, are they going to be able to to give him what you know he wants? He's got a responsibility to you know, obviously to to the rest of the NHLPA and you know his fellow members and his other you know restricted free agents that are coming up. So he's not going to give them a quote unquote discount, but he's you know it's. It's, he's going to have to be somewhere in line with what Mitch Marner just did. So it's it's going to be interesting because Tampa Bay now may have to move some you know some players out or some salary out, which they did over the summer. But again, they they brought some guys in as well. So right. they're going to have to move some players out, and there might be a few other teams that have to do the same thing. So just because this happened the way that it did, you saw when you know when the Islanders a couple of years ago. When they got Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty, they got it from teams that were under a cap crunch, and they weren't going to be able to be under the cap. So right. you have teams right now around that are this kinda, time, actually. Uh, yes, it was yeah. right around this time. Yeah, it was right around this time. So, you know, that's that's what you have to kind of look for at this point. I, I think that, and I still th- think there's a chance something like that could happen around here. No question, no question. Uh, and, and look, it may be it may be as uh, as significant as as you said. There might be a piece on defense that has to move out because. If you hear Barry Trotz and, and Lou Lamarello talk about Noah Dobson, they talk about him like he's going to be around for a while. I got, yeah, and that's surprising to me because usually, you know, management and coaches are a little more coy about that sort of thing. You know, ah, we'll see what he brings. You know, hopefully he can be good. Hopefully he can be successful. But they're pretty much like, yeah, no, uh, we kind of don't want him going back to juniors. He's he looks ready to play. You know, usually they don't they don't kind of give these guys their expectations before they even start camp. You know, so that was a little surprising to me. It was. But, uh, you know Dobson, what? I'd rather than be honest about it. Yeah, and I think Dobson is a is a little bit of a different kind of a prospect in that aspect because, you know, he's won back to back Memorial Cups. He was, you know, he was the he was the star in that team, and he took such a big leap forward. Right. Barry was right when he said today. He says, "Look, sometimes you can stunt." A, a prospect's development for sure by not being able to challenge them by sending them back to exactly where they were the year before, and you've done everything that Dobson did la- that year, and he really did. I mean, the real, what else is there for this kid to to accomplish in juniors? Well, one thing I was very happy to read that uh, Andrew Gross pointed out in Newsday was Lou Lamarillo believes that the AHL rule will be changed in the next CBA, and Which I think that's fantastic. It should have like ten years ago. Of course, I mean, you know, I, I, it's silly at this point because you really, honestly, I understand why they do it, right? But you 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 are technically stunting the growth of some of these prospects. Not all of them. I, I mean, look, not everybody is a special case like Noah Dobson. No, I mean, usually no. you do, you know, kind of have a junior player that falls into that 
you know, position where you kind of know one way or the other, whether they're an NHL ready player or whether they're juniors and more times than not, they're a junior player. So it's usually no big deal to send the kid back down, but that you even look at Barzell though, he might've been able to play a year in the AHL if not for his age, but they sent him back for that extra year in juniors. It right. benefited him. He came in and obviously had a phenomenal rookie season, right. but it doesn't go that way for everybody. And, and the point I'm trying to make is, is that if you can have that extra option of the AHL, at least, you know, you can look at that and say, hey, this is probably where this guy is, is, is best slotted right now. Not quite ready for the NHL, but he's done all he could in juniors, and going back there is just a waste of time. Well, that so was Josh I hope Bailey, too. That would, have been, that would have been a perfect situation for Josh Bailey, because if they right. would have been well, able to send him to the NHL. That's a whole NHL. other mess, thankfully. We're, we're so far gone yeah. from that. But, I mean, it's, but it's just it, it's, it's the same type of situation. Is yeah. That it's a player who you feel is, is grown above the junior level, and it's maybe not quite ready for the for the NHL. But then it was another interesting quote today about similarly a, a topic was when they asked Devon Taves, would he agree with the idea that when when Lou sent him back down, and he said 100 oh. percent about him sending me back. He says whatever Lou says, I agree with it. Yeah, I, <laughs> there was a big wrong answer, I think. Yeah, I, well, so I, I think I, he made the right play yeah. there, but <laughs> but it's also different with him too because that was the AHL, it wasn't juniors. You know, he no, of course, but it was sport. just you, you. You look at you. You just you look at this group and you and you, and you hear each of them talk about their expectations for this year and the fact that, yeah, they didn't get the big fish that they, that I think, look, again, as you're, even as a player, you're going to want a player like that on your team. You know, you, any, any team that accomplished, especially what they accomplished last year, you, you want to be able to add to that. Well, look, especially from a weakness standpoint. Right. And these guys, the, the excitement in what they're saying and how they're talking about their chances this year they have no question in their mind that they're going to be able to do exactly what they did last and year. And you can't really blame them for feeling that way. Mm, no. I mean, look, you got to have confidence in yourself and your team. They're more or less bringing back the same exact team that had 103 points, mm-hmm. fifth row overall in the NHL. Now, granted, a lot of things still have to go their way. We'll dive more into that later on in the show. But there's still reasons to be positive. And I know we got a break real soon for Andrew, but just getting back to uh, the RFAs that you mentioned before, I mean, look, all the speculation is fun. But I think what we should take from all this, this summer and, and summer's previous, everybody gets wrapped up in the speculation and the hype. And I think everybody just needs to remind themselves that the most exciting thing probably isn't going to happen. No. It's usually just going to be something's drawn out and a guy eventually resigns with his team. Right. The offer, like if there was ever a summer for offer sheets, and we had one with Ajo, but I think a, people were, were led to believe no that you know, it was going to be an offer sheet bonanza. And I also read today apparently that two teams did offer Marner an offer sheet, but he turned them down. We don't know who those are. Right. So maybe it was a little, you know, more. And Montreal also uh, offered an offer sheet to Braden Point, which he turned down. Oh, there you go. So maybe, you know, behind the scenes there was a little more activity that mm-hmm. way. But only one offer sheet came to fruition. And we're seeing Mitch Marner, a lot of speculation about him. He's going back. So you can get excited and get wrapped up in all that stuff, but usually it's not going to happen. Now, we have training camp started. You rattled off some names that still need to be signed. There's a bunch. And, and that's and only a few. There's a bunch. After that, we may, who knows, maybe we'll see one or two of those guys get dealt, but more than likely most of those guys will get signed, whether it goes into October or not. And then maybe they have to shuffle the deck, and maybe we will see the Islanders pull something off late here before the season starts where they can you know, take advantage of somebody's cap situation and maybe add to that top six. I mean, look, the more the days go by here, the less likely it's going to happen. But 
maybe, you know, anybody who's disappointed out there and what they haven't brought to the roster, maybe there's still a chance that something could happen. Right. But with that said, folks, I want to thank you for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Remember, you can always catch us live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We're going to take a break, and when we get back, Andrew Gross from Newsday will join us. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York at HockeyNightNY.com, the premier live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large from our studios right here on Long Island, hosted by Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Tune in weekly during the season Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time for insights on the team, great special guests, and commentary on all the happenings around the league. If you happen to miss us live, all shows can be streamed or downloaded 24 hours a day, seven days a week at the same address, HockeyNightNY.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, where you can subscribe and never miss a show, no matter what your preferred platform. Question for the guys? Comments? Interested in the sponsorship? Please contact us at HockeyNightNewYork at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. We appreciate all the support, and as always, let's go Islanders. Love repping your favorite Long Island hockey team? Can't get enough orange and blue swag? Look no further than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. Visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and yes, even pajamas. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HockeyNightNY for 10% off your order. That's YesMenOutfitters.com. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Hockey Night in New York. And joining us right now from Newsday is Mr. Andrew Gross. Andrew, how are you? Tony, Sean, doing great. Great to talk to you guys. How's everyone? You too. Welcome back to the show. Hope you had a great summer. It's great to have you back on. And it is great to be talking Islander hockey once again. And I see that you had a chance to go down to Allentown, check out the Islanders and Philly rookie game the other night. So I thought we might start there and see if, uh, you know, anybody on the Islanders side of the rink impressed you. Maybe some names that fans may not be, you know, having on their radar as much as some of the bigger guys. Is anybody out there that might have stood out that, you know, maybe uh, has a chance to make some noise here now the training camp has started? Well, I, I mean, to me, the obviously Otto Koivula probably has the best chance of the guys I would mention to to maybe make an impact. I mean, him and Oliver Wallstrom, who uh, scored one of the nicest shootout goals I, I'd seen. I mean, it, it just seemed like from the moment he picked up the puck at the red line, both he and the goalie knew he was going to score. I mean, he he just had really good hands. And, you know, control of his body. And, and I thought Oliver played a, a pretty strong game. It, it, it's very clear he's got a, you know, pretty blistering wrist shot when he gets that off. I mean, that's kind of the uh, the rep that he has. And uh, he goes strong to the crease. 
Um, and he's a big body and a good skater. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, Wallstrom to me looked pretty good in that game. And uh, obviously he's the one that people are looking to, you know, to, to really maybe make a push for a roster spot. Although, you know, it, it may just wind up being a numbers game. It's, it's, uh, it, it's a pretty packed uh, group up front, um, especially with guys like Tom Kuhnhackle and, uh, you know, Michael Dalcal, who would have to pass through waivers coming back. And, you know, Josh Hosang still in camp and, uh, you know, the skills he brings. But, uh, you know, Oliver Wallstrom, it's going to be, uh, you know, I, I know it's hard to base on one rookie game, but to me, I, I think – Oliver Wallstrom has a chance to be a really good NHL player, and I know the organization's pretty high on him, obviously, with where they drafted and, and how he developed once he left college. But, you know, a couple other names that stood out, like I said, Otto Koivula, he's, he's another really big body. I know he's been playing center in Bridgeport. Um, I think he'll probably wind up as a wing uh, once he gets to the NHL. Um he passes really, really nicely. Uh, he set up uh, Felix Bebo's uh, goal, uh, cutting down low in the slot, and uh, Otto's passing ability on that play. You know, he kind of fought off a defender, and he gets a puck through, you know, uh, I think another defender or two, and, and put it right on Bebo's uh, stick blade. And that, that was a really nice goal. And then, of course, he scores one of his own. Uh, he just plays with the confidence. Uh, I really like what I've seen out of him. A um, couple other players, um, Mason Yops, who I wrote about, uh, former Ohio State Buckeye uh, captain. Uh, he just He's just so noticeable when he's on the ice. Uh, you can see the leadership skills. You know, he, he demands the puck. He passes really well. He gets involved in the dirty areas. He's a smaller guy. He's not afraid of any physical confrontation. Um, you know, I, I think down the line, he's a he, he's a really good depth signing, and he, he may be a guy, um, you know, who who pushes. You know, I, I think he's going to get a lot of seasoning at Bridgeport, and he's a guy that you might be able to bring up, you know, for some spot starts uh, if you need him. Um, and then the the the, uh, the second round defenseman uh, that they picked up, Samuel Bolduck. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing that name, but I just have to spell it correctly. Um, he is <laughs> he is big. I mean, but but not big in a lumbering way. I mean, he's effective big. And I'm not trying to compare him to Dano Chara in any way, shape, or form. Well, maybe a form, but he just. You know how Chara just looks bigger than anything else on the ice when he's right. playing? I, I got that same impression from Bulldog. I mean, he just looked like he towered over players, but in a in a skillful way. I thought he skated very nicely, and he, he's got a, a really, really powerful uh, slap shot, too. Um, you know, so uh, and an accurate one, too, as we saw. So, uh I, I, you know, those are the guys that really, really, really stood out to me. Well, that's all great to hear. I mean, even if things are crowded right now up at the big club, it's nice to know that the Islanders might have some guys that when the time comes, they'll be knocking at the door and they can kind of, you know, fill in through the system kind of smoothly and, and, you know, create the, you know, continuity and success for this organization going forward. I think uh, that sounds good to, to fans everywhere. 
Now let's bring it yeah. to, to training camp. The the big club is here now. Media day was yesterday, and they got back. The full team got back on the ice today. The first question I want to ask you about that. And this is year two now of Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz. And now that everybody's back, you got to be there and see the atmosphere. What's going on? Is there anything interesting that you noticed, or anything that you can compare to last season? Now that they have one under their belts here, that you know, might have been a little different, or is it business as usual? Just what's the kind of the vibe that you're getting from uh, the team and management right now that they're starting camp? Well, one of the themes certainly was familiarity um, and, and a comfort and a, a better understanding of Barry Trotz's system and exactly what he's looking for. And, you know, last season, a lot of the players talked about, you know, you know not really – fully clicking with that system, you know, maybe until after the new year, it it took them a while. I mean, obviously they played strong defense throughout the season. You don't give up the fewest goals in the league uh, without starting with good defense, but they learned as the season went on really how to produce more offense off of the defense and kind of how to balance both. And uh, Jordan Everly has talked about this a lot. And he talked about a, uh, a lot about it on Media Day on Thursday, just how this team feels like it's going to pick up at a certain level because they, they know the system uh, already. And they feel like they can, uh, you know, really build off of what happened last season. Uh, you know, and the other theme um, being, uh, well, you know, with the start – Start of on ice practices. You, you talk about familiarity with Barry Trotz. His first days, uh, his first day on ice. You know, every coach really, you know, skates the heck out of players on that first day of practice. Each coach does it differently. You know, I covered John Tortorella for years, and he never had pucks on the ice that first day. He just did conditioning and testing skating. You know, laps and laps and laps around the ice. Barry Trotz doesn't do it that way. He does a lot of battle drills, a lot of physical confrontations. And what he's trying to do is basically shock the players' systems immediately back into game mode, you know, that, that you know, hunger to go get the puck, to go retrieve the puck, to, to, to play fast, and, and, and to know that your body is going to be slammed around the ice and that you have to sacrifice your body. Um, so, you know, last last season, <laughs> Barry Trotz, you know, there, the players really didn't know much about Barry when they stepped on the ice for that first day. And there was a lot of trepidation. And, and Barry skated them into the ground that, that, that first day. And, boy, you know, there were a lot of wide eyes that day. You know, today the, he, he did the same thing. I mean, all the drills looked almost exactly the same. Um but the players knew what they were getting into to today. Um, and, and Barry, you know, two of the three groups, Barry really liked what he saw. And uh, he, he just said, you know, while they worked really hard, there was a better understanding of what he was looking for and how he wanted to conduct things. And, and he thinks that's a really good foundation for the start. Um, so he, he was really happy with how, how things went today. And then, Tomorrow they'll start getting into more systematic work, and you know, and and on Monday there's a game already, Monday and Tuesday, so it really accelerates uh, starting on Saturday. 
I love the fact that they they get right into games. They don't. There's no fooling around. It's not like they're playing. They're practicing for two weeks and then they get into a game. It's two practices and boom, right on the ice. So I I love the fact that they that they do that. Uh, well, Andrew, they, 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 they sort of have to. I mean, they got 70 players in camp, and you want yes. to weed that down pretty quickly. I mean, I, I think uh, was it Bridgeport's camp opens up on the 20th, so you know. They got to make some decisions real quickly here as to, you know, who's going and who's staying. And again, you know, I think, you know, you, you look up and down this roster and, uh, you know, not a lot of change really. And, you know, you talk about themes that players are talking about there, there were two more. One is these players. And I mean, this is kind of an obvious one because players want to stay together, but these guys love the fact that Lou, through the trade deadline and through the off season has essentially kept the same group. And, you know, I've heard it from a lot of different players, Casey Sezikis right on through uh, the guys who got re-signed, Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, Jordan Everly. The fact that, you know, chemistry and keeping a group that really, really, really enjoys playing together, um, together, um, is very underrated. And the Islanders really, you know, they look around, they see what's happened in the Metropolitan Division. And, you know, they say sometimes change for change's sake just, you know, doesn't do anything. Doesn't and they think they, right. yeah, they think they have an advantage on other teams because they basically stay together. And they're, they're also playing the uh, us against the world card. You know, they're, right. you know, both the, uh, Matthew Barzell and Anthony Beauvillier mentioned, well, you know, people are already saying we're not going to, there's no way we can duplicate us. I've seen the predictions, you know, we're not going to be as good. And, you know, we're, we're just going to let, you know, what we do on the ice, you know, prove ourselves again. I mean, I think Bo's quote was like, no one in the hockey world believes we can make the playoffs two years in a row. So they're, they're, they're playing that card again as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and as they should, as absolutely as they should. The the one big change because you mentioned it's a lot of familiarity, but the one big change on this team is Semyon Varlamov. Um, you know, a, a player in Robin Leonard who was so beloved by the fan base had such an unbelievable story last year. Uh, but you know, the Islanders decided that they they wanted to go in another direction. Obviously, they they bring in Varlamov. Um, he's obviously, uh, apparently from, from all conversations, how much he enjoys being on the Island so far. Uh, what have you gotten from Semyon Varlamov and how he's, you know, integrating himself within the locker room? Yeah, no, I think it's been a pretty, uh, seamless integration. I mean, you know, he's been around since mid August. He's skated with a bunch of the guys, you know, all through in the informal skates, him and, Thomas Grice have already been out to dinner together and they're, they're forming, you know, a, a friendship and a goalie bond, you know, and it's sort of the same thing as last year when uh, Robin came in and him and Thomas, you know, kind of, you know, formed the same kind of bond. And, uh, you know, Varley, Varley's come in. He's a very low maintenance kind of guy from what I can tell, you know, just comes in, does his work. Uh, easy to talk to. Uh, teammates seem to really, really like him. I know one of the other two guys, uh, Derek Broussard, my old buddy from the Rangers, uh, you know, he was very happy that, you know, Varley's here. The two of them 
sat together on planes last season as Avalanche teammates. And uh, no, uh, you know, by by all accounts, you know, that's that's been a very easy transition getting Varlamov in. And, you know, players, you know, everyone speaks glowingly of everyone else, you know, day two of training camp. But, uh, right. you know, they're, <laughs> you know, they're, 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 they're excited, um, you know, and from an organizational standpoint, Varlamov was someone the Islanders were looking at even before they brought in Robin Leonard last season. Um, this is a guy that, um, when I say the organization, I'm not just talking about Lou Lamarillo. I'm talking about yeah, Mitch you know Korn. Mitch Corn and Piero Greco. I mean, they really like what they have in Semyon Varlamov, what they've seen in him, and obviously, you know, he's been through some injuries, but he, you know, before that, he. He's proven to be a number one goalie in this in in this league. I know, you know, he's a little, about four years older than Rob, and he's on the other side of thirty. But you know, Mitch Korn and Piero Greco can't wait. They could not wait to start working with this guy. They they really think he is going to be. It's hard to say at the same level as Robin Leonard because Robin had such an a storybook incredible season. I'm not saying Varley you know, is going to be a Vesna Trophy finalist this season. But in the bigger picture, the organization really believes, and I mean, you know, I don't know if anyone will say this on the record, but this organization believes longer term they had a better chance of success with Varlamov than maybe with Robin Leonard. The fact that the fact that Korn and, and Greco wanted him so bad, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a telling sign right there. Just the fact that they yeah, were how bad that they yeah, actually wanted him. Yeah, I mean, you know, and again, no one really will go on the record and say this, but I, I, the sense I get from the organization is, you know, they got a great season out of Robin Leonard, and, you know, everyone wishes Robin Leonard the best, including me. You know, he was great to me all season, a good guy to talk to. But I think the organizational feeling was, they might have caught lightning in a bottle last season. And, you know, right. they did not want to commit. And you know, they obviously didn't want to commit four years to Robin Leonard. I mean, I know they offered him two. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that offer went away really quickly when, when Robin, right. you know, said, hey, wait a minute, let me think about it for a minute. Well, the, the, the contract was not there after he thought about it for a minute. So, right. you know, to me, it, it, it does not seem like – management was all that broken up, you know, to, to, to make this goalie switch. Right. Yeah, no, you could, you could see it. I mean, and look, and honestly, and again, this is something that'll never be talked on a record, but we, we talked about it many times on this show is that, you know, unfortunately when it comes to the addiction, you don't know how much damage Robin Leonard had done to his body over the years that he was addicted to. So to, to give a long-term contract to someone like that, it's really going into the unknown. How is his body going to react? Is he going to, is he going to break down faster? And you've seen other players that have come out of rehab in other sports that have had major problems with injuries at a young age. Yeah. I I mean, the one thing I will say to that is, is Robin Leonard is just a physical specimen. I mean, my God, that guy's big, (laughs) you know, I mean, this is a guy that if you put shoulder pads and a helmet on him could probably Mm -hmm. go out on an NFL field and lay some of the most devastating hits you've ever seen. I mean, he's just a (laughs) huge dude. 
<laughs> he's a big guy. Uh, I just I, I want to just touch on the last bit of summer here because we've talked about we talked about Varlamov now. We talked about Broussard. You know, there was a lot of speculation over the summer or leading into free agency about you know possibly getting Panarin and so on and so forth. But you know, the thing that. I, I, over the summer, the portion of the fan base has been a little let down, thinking that there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't a big move there. And we've seen this before, where the Islanders have gone out and 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 maybe put their best foot forward with some of these higher, high, you know, higher class free agents. You know, in your opinion, I mean, look, Andrew, you've been around this game a long time. In your opinion, what is it going to take? Is it going to be the fact that Belmont is now, you know, with a, you know, practically with a shovel in the ground? Is it going to be that they, they, they have stability, the ownership, or, uh, with, with the pedigree with, with Lamarillo and Trotz? Is that going to finally be able to, to allow this team to be able to make an acquisition like that down the road? Because it's been so difficult over the years to import this, you know, this high-end talent without drafting it. I, I mean, all of that goes in and helps. Certainly, you know, Lamarillo and Trotz scream stability. And now having Belmont, you know, you know, two seasons, you know, just two more seasons of this Fakakta, you know, arena arrangement they have, um, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel there. Um, And the other thing is, you know, the the players who come into that practice facility out Northwell Health, you know, Ice Center out in East Meadow, those players are really impressed with the practice facility and, and, and just that setup. You know, you take apart the fact that, yeah, you go out there, it's a first-class practice facility, you know, all the amenities with the weight rooms and everything out there. The, the players love it out there, and they love that, you know, they, they can live five minutes away in Garden City, you know, and be there and roll out of bed and, and be at this, you know, world-class uh, practice facility. They love that part, you know, and then they got to commute to Brooklyn, you know, I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. brutal, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the games at Nassau Coliseum certainly, you know, alleviate that in Belmont as well. But to your point, yes, the, the, this franchise with the Belmont project finally, you know, has a real NHL home on the horizon and they can sell that, and they're going to sell it hard. I mean, it's it, it's tough because, as you saw in the case with Panarin, and he's not the only player. I mean, someone who wants to come to New York typically wants to come to Manhattan, you know, not out to the suburbs. Um, you know, you, there are exceptions to that, but but most players are are, are more attracted to the to the glitzy you know, lifestyle that, that living in Manhattan can afford. Um, but I, I, I do think the Islanders are, are evening the, the playing field there with, with the Belmont Arena. I mean, it's going to be, you know, if not the most, it'll certainly be as state-of-the-art as any arena in the, in the NHL. Um, so that, that, that will help. I mean, it, it's going to be about performance, though. I mean, you know, players want to come to – uh, an organization that has sustained, you know, success. I mean, you know, Canarin goes to the Rangers, and obviously they've had a couple of down seasons. But you look overall since, you know, since Lundqvist got there, and that's an organization that, you know, when they're not in the playoffs, that's that's sort of a surprise, right? Um, the Islanders want to get to that, where it, it's just 
sustained success year and year and year and year out. And, you know, Lou Lamarillo had that with the Devils for a long, long time. I know it didn't end great there, but I, I, I do think, you know, Lou has rebounded from some of his last few seasons in New Jersey because certainly, you know, his time in Toronto was very productive. And, you know, I, I would give him very good grades with how he's very quickly, you know, really changed the course of this organization. Oh, without a doubt, Andrew. And with that, just want to thank you so much for a fantastic spot. Uh, so much fun having you back on the show. Love having you on, and uh, we can't wait to have you on again. Yeah, well, it's uh, you know, it's a it's a long season. Uh, look forward to chatting. You know, you do, I, I'm gonna get off, but uh, you did say something funny when you said I've been around for a long time. Every mm-hmm. time we're in a media scrum now, or you know, I'm talking to Lou Lamarillo, and the point, you know, someone invariably starts a question to Lou. Well, Lou, you've been around a long time, and Lou is now <laughs> taken to pointing to me. And going, well, so is this guy. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> Excellent. That's great, Andrew. That is great stuff. Yeah. All right, Tony, Sean, thanks All so right, much Andrew, for well, having me. All right, Andrew, well, we're glad you're there. Absolutely. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on. So we'll, we'll definitely talk to you soon down the road. All right, take care. All right, all right. Enjoy it, boys. All righty. Thanks, Andrew. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that was Andrew Gross from Newsday. Great stuff. Could have had him on for another half hour. I had like three more questions I wanted to I ask had about him, but 10, I didn't want to. So yeah, just, I didn't want to keep him. I wanted to get that last question in because I I wanted to know what he thought, what he well, thinks about it because it's just been a big topic of conversation over over the summer. Well, I just I would have asked him, you know, what, about what we were talking about before he came on, and just see if he thought that maybe they were looking to, you know, just just from the sense that he's been getting from the way Lou and Barry have been talking, and now granted. Whatever Lou says behind a microphone doesn't necessarily mean that's what mm-hmm. he's thinking and that's what he's going to do. We, we understand that. We've, we've learned that very quickly Absolutely, <laughs> without question. But just wanted to see if he had a sense that maybe, depending on how these these RFAs drop and, and where these teams end up with their cap situations and stuff like that, you know, if he thought maybe they would try to go out and get somebody before the season started or if this is, you know, the roster or the, the team that they're going to go with, at least for now. Well, you look at you look at Lou Lamarillo and how, how he's constructed teams over the years. I mean, look at the Michael Grabner trade back uh, when he acquired Grabner in Toronto from the Islanders. Mm-hmm. And he traded basically a bunch of B-level prospects, one, only I think like one of which. Seven guys. Yeah, and I think <laughs> only one of which is still with the organization. That's Chris Gibson. I mean, everybody else is pretty much gone. But he and one of them is doing all right down in Tampa right now, Varhehe. Right, that's Verhey, 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 yeah, Verhey, 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 sorry, yeah. yeah that's but he was one. a guy who who needed a little bit of development, and then he tra- I think who did they trade him for? They traded him for somebody. Um, he was traded for a goaltender who's no longer in the organization. Uh, some with a G. Like good, oh, Goodlevsky no, or something uh, like that. Yes, yes, yes. Kirsten's I'm sure uh, I Goodlevsky. just bet, yeah. butchered his name. But yeah, no, it was like yeah, that. it was the guy. It was the uh, it was the he played in Bridgeport the whole season. But yeah, I mean, it was uh, Matt Finn was another guy. There's a bunch of guys that came over in that trade, and Gibson is the only guy who stuck around and and, and been able to. But you look at that was a trade that was made late, uh, late in training camp, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or at the very end of training camp. But Lou is the kind of guy that when there's a guy he targets and if there's the ability to make a move, he'll make it. But, you know, he's you know, he's been selective to this point. And, I, and honestly, you, you, you kind of look at it, and, and, and Andrew pointed this out per, per, you know, perfectly, I thought. 
you know, sometimes just making a change to make a change doesn't really work. You look at this team and how they played last season and how cohesive they were, and you had got you had down offensive years from Eberle and Barzal and and even Lee. Like you had guys who were thirty goal scorers, eighty point scorers that didn't get to that plateau last year. But if you look at how they played in the playoffs, it was a different story. You know, Eberle turned it on the last six. You know, the last what six to ten games of the season and then played magnificently in the playoffs. So yeah, maybe it's just a matter of the fact that it took longer for these guys to, to uh, you know, some guys it took longer to adapt, adapt to the system and that they are on the cusp of being able to, to put the offensive numbers they put up before. Right. And I believe it was in Arthur Staples' piece from today. I believe it was today. Regardless, it was, it was very recent. And he was talking to Barry Trotz. And Barry Trotz was basically saying this whole thing about us not having offense was hogwash. Mm-hmm. It was like, we were fine. And basically, and, and the numbers were put out there, five on five, the team was 16th overall in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the n- number of goals was. But middle of the pack. And middle of the pack is fine, especially when your defense is so good. Exactly. But where the offensive issue truly was... Was the power play. Was the power play. Right. And when you're, what, 29th overall in a 31-team league, mm-hmm. that is not good. Right. And, you know, I mean, we, we, we heard the fans... You know, screaming for Scott Gomez to to take a hike, and and folks, he took one. He finally took a hike. So anybody on that you know side of the spectrum, your wish has been granted. Mm-hmm. And now they have brought in Jim Hiller. Jim Hiller, who ran the power play in Toronto when uh, when Detroit. he was there, right, Detroit. right, and he Bobby had Babcock. he had success with both organizations. Mm-hmm. Now you know maybe he, he had different pieces. I was about to say here, you yeah. can look back and see what sort of talent they might have had. But I think that gives a little hope to, look, you can't do much worse than they did last year. No, and you look at this team, and you look at the offensive pieces that they have, and they do have offensive pieces. You have, you have talent on a blue line, which is, that's usually where organizations that have bad power play, that's usually where they have the problem is where they have it on the blue line. The Islanders have two offensive-minded defensemen in Ryan Pollock and Devin Devontae's. And you have Nick Letty, who's now is just you know is kind of a forgotten man when it comes to the power play because he's well because it hasn't worked with him back there. Now I'm certainly not going to point the finger and say it's all Nick Letty's fault, right? But you bring up Devon Taves, and he didn't touch power play one until basically the very end of the season and the playoffs, and there was a notable difference. A notable difference. And not only are we going to see Devon Taves on this team five on five, just on the team the full Full time, yeah, full time. He's going to be quarterback in that power play from day one with Jim Hiller in place, who hopefully introduces some new schemes that are going to get these guys putting points on the board. Because, I mean, you look at what could have been with this team. If that power play was even halfway decent, you know, maybe that division win was a lock at that point, you know, and, and things could have been a little different. Right, different you know, story. who knows? Yeah, no, there's no question. Now, and granted, I still think that overall they they need a little more scoring punch in that top six, whether it's power player or five on five. I mean, look, everybody's been saying it, you and I, and anybody else who's a fan of the team. So I still welcome an addition to the top six, but if you want to start from where they are now with the roster that it looks like they're going to have going into this season, if they can just add to this power play, it's going to make a huge difference or at the very least offset this, you know, media wide expected drop in goaltending and defensive performance, right? Everybody's basically, anybody who's, who's got a pen and paper or a keyboard is saying that this team is going to regress to the mean when it comes to, you know, their defensive scheme and their goaltending. Now, maybe not to the middle of the pack, but a lot of people are saying they're not going to repeat what they did last year. And 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with that in the sense that look, I mean their numbers were fantastic, extremely high. They no went question. from worst to first as far as goals against. Their save percentage of Robin Leonard, Thomas Grice was through the roof. And, I mean the nine thirty save percentage. You can't really expect any goaltender to go back to back seasons with that, let alone a different goaltender who's learning under the new schemes of these guys, Mitch Corn, Piero Greco. You know, there's a lot of weight that's going to be on Semyon Varlamov's shoulders. Yes, but 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 just and to play the devil's advocate and to play devil's advocate here, going into last season, okay, if you would if going into last off season, okay, if I had told you that the Islanders had the opportunity to get Semyon Varlamov or Robin Leonard, which one you have used, you cho- you've chosen each and every time, everybody would have said Varlamov, Varlamov without okay. question. So now Leonard comes in here, okay, he. Was had a, 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 a an off a season a terrible season in Buffalo. He has this diagnosis right uh, over the over the off season. Goes into goes through rehab. Nobody wants him. Nobody wants him. Nobody wants right. to sign him. Lou gives him an opportunity. Okay, he comes in here and he's a Vezina Trophy Trophy finalist. Thomas Grice had almost the identical season that Robin Leonard had. Yeah, and everybody okay? forgets that. And he had a terrible season the year before also. Right. Now, if you go back and you look at every single goaltender every year that Mitch Korn has been a director of goaltending or a goaltending coach in the NHL, mm-hmm. go all the way back to Nashville. Every, every single season, Thomas Facoon, Pekka Rene, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Braden Holpe, who he was, on the, he was on the verge of losing his job in Washington to Michael Neuver. Right. So he has resurrected the careers of I can't even tell you how many goaltenders over the years. So you, so everyone who's telling me that it's a step down that they got Varlamov over Leonard, I'm sorry, but Varlamov two years ago was the higher-rated goaltender than Leonard was. Yeah, it's very easy to say that after you know the season that Leonard had, the season that nobody expected to happen. Exactly. Remember, exactly. he was he was the desperation play last summer. Right, and I, he and was the well. There's nobody else. <laughs> Right. Guess we'll go with this guy. I guess we'll try this out and see and how this goes. It worked out phenomenally. It did. It worked. It could not have worked out any better and, unless they won the Stanley Cup. And right. I'm not saying he wouldn't be great, you know, here on out. I'm not saying no, I would have expected not. Leonard of to fall not. off. Right. Look, I'm, my mind has not changed. I am disappointed he's gone. I would have rather him stay. I've said it enough times for for all the reasons why everybody loves him. He's playing the ice. The guy is off the ice. What he's overcome. I mean, it's fantastic. I wish he had a state for sure. No doubt, but we're here now. Varlamov yeah, is here, and, 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 and to the point that you and Andrew made, the fact that Greco and Korn adamantly wanted to add this guy to the team, they saw something in him and said, hey, he, this is a guy, if we get him under our tutelage, he's going to be a machine in that net, right? That's more or less what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. So if they believe that, who am I to tell them that they're wrong? Especially since what they did last year with those two guys who were coming off terrible seasons. Right. And and Arthur Staple also pointed out that, that Varlamov is used to being like a 60-start type of guy. Maybe, you know, he does something similar with Thomas Grice. And he does basically a season split, takes a little weight off his shoulders. And, stay a little healthier. He, yeah, stays a little, right, because mm-hmm. the injuries are a little bit more of a concern with him. He's had a little bit of a hard time but staying healthy. Same thing with Leonard before he came right. here, too. So. so maybe he gets a, you know, a couple more days rest in this 1A, 1B tandem with Thomas Grice, mm-hmm. and Grice picks up where he left, left off last year with the defense in front of them. That has not changed. If anything, it's going to be better because you're getting a full season of Taves. So, you know, it's very possible that maybe they're not going to stay at that high mark that they had last year, you know, Leonard towards 930 save percentage and all that, but it doesn't mean that they can't have success regardless. Mm-hmm. So 
I wouldn't I wouldn't get so worried about it and you know we're upset about Leonard but you know you got to move on and 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 it's hard not to get a little excited about Barlam just because of how excited Mitch Corn and Greco are yeah. about bringing this guy into the fold. Now you can argue about the length of this contract, about the the amount of money he got. Maybe he got a little more than people expected. I mean, it's funny. I, I was listening back to one of our shows the other night just to just to brush up on some stuff. And I remember you you pointed out actually you thought he would get about three and a half four million if they brought him in, mm-hmm. and he ends up getting five. So he might have gotten paid a little more than people expected, mm-hmm. but you know, look, he's here, and 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 everybody's been talking about you know this is part of a grand plan, a grand scheme to bring over Mike Carver's White Whale, Ilya Sorokin over there in Russia. The more and more we hear, the more and more it sounds like this guy's going to come over. So, look, if this is a, a segue into your next franchise goalie, you, you suck up the, the extra year or two. You suck up maybe the extra mil, mil and a half. And this can all still work out very well. Now, what I do hope is is that when the season does start and if, and if Varlamov isn't putting up Robin Lanner-type numbers in that first month, people go a little easy on him because <laughs> expectations are going to be high. People are going to be expecting him to be – you know, lights out out of the gate. He's learning this new system. Maybe it'll take him a little while. But, you know, that's one thing I feel for him because he has just such big shoes to fill he does. in Robin Leonard. So, Literally and figuratively. Right, right, exactly. So we'll see. He's a little older. Again, he's he's been a little injury prone. So, you know, I can understand some people taking a, a skeptical view on him coming into the crease here. But I'm, I'm more than willing to give this guy a chance. I have full faith. In the gold you have faith in the front. You have uh, faith coaches. in the front office. You have faith right. in the coaching staff. Right. So yeah, this is what it is. You look at a guy like that, and you see the potential that he has, and then you see the coaching staff and what they've done with other guys who are not even up to the same level of potential that of the guy you just brought in. Right. Yeah, has he had a down year or two? Absolutely. But Robin Leonard had had two down years up until he showed up here. Also, you know, Thomas Grice had a down year the year before. I mean, we were we were writing Thomas Grice off to you know last summer. Before, we're, we're, before, a, we're a very reactionary bunch here on Long Island. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that would be. <laughs> right. That's, that's, right. That's crazy talk. Look, let's just let's just see what happens here. I think uh, I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised with how the game shakes up. So we covered plenty of Varlamov. Let's look at the other free agent acquisition the Islanders made uh, a, a little bit later in the off season, and that is Derek Broussard. Bounced around a couple of teams last season. That didn't uh, serve him very well, if you look at his numbers. And now the big question is, at around 31 years of age, can he get his game back? I think the one of the positives you can take is, is that none of us here expect him, need, not expect, but need him to regain that, that second-line center form that he had, you know, putting up 50 or so points, 50, 60 points. He's here to fill a third-line center role. So if he can do that, albeit in a, in a bit of a different way than Valtteri Filpula did last year. He was more of a defensive guy, a penalty killer, who yet was still able to, able to pot 17 goals. If he can just even find a decent portion of his game, uh, contribute on the power play, and I think he's going to end up being a decent acquisition as well. It's, um, I am curious to see who ends up getting that role on the penalty kill now that Filpula is gone because, you know, from what I've read, Broussard has never really been a penalty-killing type of guy, as uh, also Arthur Staple pointed out in uh, one of his pieces. So he's going to be he's going to serve a different role, but at the same time, if he can help Pot, you know, you know, ten to fifteen goals, thirty-ish points somewhere in that in that realm, I think we're all happy. And if he regains even more of his form, then that's a huge bonus because the guy's only getting paid one one point two million dollars. He's hungry. 
he's he's finally you know gonna he's gonna start with the team and hopefully have a full season with them, barring a you know falling off the face of the earth and and, and he can't get his game back. But it, I think I think uh, he could end up being a pleasant surprise to this team too. One of those you know low risk high reward type of moves. So Tony, what do you have to say about Derek? Versace? Yeah, I definitely I agree with that. I mean, if you look at his numbers, I mean, he was with the Rangers. He was a sixty point guy. I mean. You know, yes, he was playing second line at that point. He was playing with Matt Ciccarelli. He had a really good uh, rapport with him. But he's a he's an offensive guy. He can put the puck in the net. I mean, even on a terrible year last year, he scored 14 goals. So played for three different teams. He got lost in Pittsburgh. He went to Florida for 10 games and then ended up at Colorado in the, at the deadline where he was kind of buried there as well. He was a depth he was a depth guy. But this is a guy who, you know, only a few seasons off was, you know, 42, 44-point guy. He's a guy who can skate. He can add something to the power play, which is something. You know, he's 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 got offensive skill. He's he's a power play player. He could still skate. So, and he's not he's not that old. He's thirty one years old. And on a million dollar, a million and a half dollar contract, this is a no lose situation for them. It's very easy for them to cut him and walk away if they have to. It's very easy to put him in a press box if they have to. And if he if he's able to give them even a well, little yeah. bit of what Philpula gave them last year, then they have something. Yeah, it's decent. The only question is if the guy can't get back to any kind of form then the question is who's going to take his place but i guess you worry about that if and when it comes well look you saw you 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 heard what uh what andrew said about the rookie game okay yeah yeah you know Otto uh Koivula is not not really far away and you know uh, you heard brent thompson you heard andrew talk about mason jobs uh, um when we had him on earlier mm. and brett thompson was talking about him after the game last night saying that he made a a terrific first impression uh, very, uh, very mobile, very active on the ice, very good skater. You know, is he is he a top six player? No, he's not. But he's a guy that you know maybe they do get a you know they will take a, a hard look at later on in the season if there is a problem with Broussard or Broussard gets hurt or whatever the case may be. There is some depth in this organization now you where there Tanner hasn't Fritz been. There. You still I mean, have Tanner Fritz who is, things don't go well. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, look, if there has to be a, ma- a move made during the season, then, you know, you do. You have some pieces to move. Sure. You have all your draft picks. You have some cap space. So there's there's, there's a lot of flexibility in that spot. And it's, it's look, a third-line center position. They're not. That's. It's not as if you're trying to get a franchise player or, you know, a number one goaltender. Like, those those – those positions don't grow on trees, but to, to get a third line center, it's, it's sometimes it's a little bit more, you know, it's a little easier to get when you're out there looking for it. Indeed. Indeed. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with Bassard. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with this team and a fresh start. And he's saying all the right things. He, you know, he, he likes the, the team first mentality that these Islanders have and that it's, it's, it's about the we, not the I. And sounds hungry. He yeah, sounds hungry. he does. He does. I think I think he's excited about the fresh start. So hopefully he can hit the ground running and uh, make us forget about you know Val Philpula and him going off to Detroit for a very surprising contract that he got. What did he get? Two, two years, like three and a half mil. He like did, that. and he got his number back. Well, of course. He got, his, he got his 51 back. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, he's not wearing 51. Yeah, that's weird. But it, that's fine. It's in Detroit, so it doesn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, I guess we'll just mention his name just because he was formerly in the organization. They they signed Colin McDonald to a Bridgeport contract. Good for, I, good for Colin I always McDonald. liked him. I liked him when he was with the team. I mean, look, he wasn't obviously one of the best players on the ice, but he always busted his ass, and he was part of that kind of mini resurgence team, you know, back when they went to the playoffs against Pittsburgh and, you know, and uh, 
Oh, he was part of the team against the. He was he was in that Washington series, right? No, that's later. You know, he played he played over Anders Lee. I that's believe, right. That that's game. right. That's Jack, right. Jack I, I thought I was confused Colin in my playoff Jones. series. No, for a you were right. You were right. Right. Well, that's right. Because he was on the Halak team. I'll never forget that game. Yeah. That game late in the season against the Philadelphia Flyers it was one of those like last two or three games where the Islanders were just looking to lock up home ice. I remember Halak let in that goal from like the red line or just outside the blue line. And I always associate Colin McDonald with that because just before that shot was taken from the boards that ends up going in, Colin McDonald completely whiffed on a hit. That he, all he had to do was play the puck mm. instead of play the man, and that shot never would have even been taken. So sorry for taking everybody down memory lane here, but sadly that's, that's just a memory I have of that guy. And, well, uh, and Colin, obviously I haven't let it go. Well, <laughs> since, since his, his stint with the Islanders, uh, he has become a, a very valuable AHL piece. He's been a captain. He was a captain last season. Okay, uh, I didn't know that. In uh, Scranton, if I'm not mistaken. I just okay. read, I read a story recently uh, by uh, a former uh, journeyman goaltender, Mike McKenna. I don't know if you remember. He's, I saw he was his around. name in some headlines, but I didn't, I didn't read anything. Well, he retired. Officially Bad job re- by me. He re- officially retired this week. So he had told the team that he was going to retire. And is again, it's a guy who played most of his career in the AHL. Right. And he was the backup goaltender to um, uh, Alex Lyon, uh, who's cons- generally considered one of the better goaltenders in the AHL at this point. Okay. And they they gave him the start in a game late in the season at home. Again, the guy got to invite his family, and he was playing well. They were down like two nothing, and he talked about the leadership of Colin McDonald on that team. And they ended up leading the way back and getting him a win in his final game. But he he gave a lot of credit to the leadership of Colin McDonald. Really? And like right, I mean, literally three days after I read the story, I see that the Islanders, you know, that Bridgeport signs him. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's a great move because this guy has obviously gone on and become a, a, a good role model to younger players in the AHL. And that's a, the reason why he kind of moves around. Same reason why the Borks move around. It's the same. It's the same kind of story right, with them. Right. But he's he's coming to uh, to play in Bridgeport, and and he's a good guy to have around. Yeah. These younger guys, you you know, this it's, it's part of the whole thing. You want them to learn what it's like to be a pro, and that's good for the Islanders and yeah. good for Colin McDonald. And good like, to see him back. Like we saw last year with with Lamarillo in charge. Now they're starting to invest into the AHL team. Now they're not. Chris Lamarillo has done a really nice job in Bridgeport the last two years. He really has. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good to see. Nice to have McDonald back in the franchise fold. We, barring about 18 injuries, we probably won't see him getting the call up yeah, to the big club. I doubt it, but it's but good hey, that he's in Bridgeport. Little, yeah, if you want to see Colin McDonald, a little welcome back. You know? Take the ferry over to Bridgeport and uh, check yeah. him out over uh, over there. You know, you know that preseason game against the Rangers at Bridgeport? Tickets are going for like $85. Are they really? Yeah, and I feel like that happened last year, too. For whatever reason, they're, they're a big ticket item. I guess because they don't get a lot of you know NHL hockey over there. You know, I've never, been, know? Up th- I've never been up there. I'm surprised I have that. never been up there, no. I you should uh, take a little trip. I know. You know, we, we at hockey, with the, hockey This Week went up there. I couldn't go that weekend. Uh, but yeah. you guys went up, and That's you did right. a game up there. You That's did a show. At yeah, the, at we the, did, actually. At we did the, it in the Green Yard, right? Yes. That's, oh, my God. Yeah. Long time ago. It surely yeah, was, I, Tony. I could not make it that night. Oh, uh, well. Well, let's keep the show going here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, tidying up a couple of things that happened over the summer. You had Dal Cole, Hosang, and Bo. They all re-upped on there. RFA contracts, Bo got two years, Dal Cole and Hosang got one apiece, if I'm remembering no, correctly. Dal Cole got two, Hosang got one. That's right. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Thank you for being here to correct me. 
And I apologize to the listeners for being incorrect. It's really <laughs> half the reason why I'm here, bro. This is run, true. Run this the board, true. talk for about a minute, and then just correct you whenever you screw That's up. That's right. Thank you, Tony. It's good, buddy. Uh, Lucas Fiza coming back on a PTO. It wouldn't be an Islanders training camp if they didn't bring back somebody. Some hated player. <laughs> Nobody won. <laughs> on, a play, on a PTO. Just to mess with the fan you know, base a little bit. You know, bit. the funny thing is about Spiza is that the guy played, like, what, six games nine last year? Nine games. Nine games. He played nine games, and yet everyone talks about him like he is the GOAT of all time. He played in nine games. We could, just because they flew him around the country and paid him a million and a half dollars or two million dollars, whatever it was they paid him last year, the fan base is like, why do we need this guy? Because it's good and to have. You know, I wonder have, what their record was in those nine games. Like they were probably if like they were zero and nine. They were probably like six and three yeah, or seven exactly, and two. Exactly. Didn't exactly. didn't skip a beat. But you know what? It's just look. We've said it before on the show. It, it just people need that one or two guys villain, that they just love the to hate villain, even it's, if it's unwarranted. Yes. You know. Yeah. It's just look. If if Lucas Pisa is is the big, quote unquote biggest problem being here on a PTO, they're yeah. doing all right. And the others They're doing are, okay. And honestly, it's look because he's not he's not going to get signed. no. Staple already said he's 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 there as a favor to maybe get noticed by another. Team. That's exactly. They have what no it is. room for him. No, on they this don't. Defense now. They don't. None. Because you have you have what eight guys already on uh, you know on one way contracts, and then you got another three guys in, in Bridgeport. Come on, I mean he's not right. just he's, they're giving him a favor <laughs> to see if he can get catch on someplace else. You know, nah, come on, funny. guys. It's funny. Just, it's, uh, it's 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 nothing new. Well, what a Steinberg like last year. People were annoyed he was. At practice, he wasn't even signed. Why is he at practice? Come on, really? I remember that. Yeah. But the guy, the guy can't. But skate. then he got signed. Yeah, he and, didn't it, get signed. and he never the, touched the ice. He never touched the ice. Right. He didn't. They didn't even Look, give him a jersey. If they want to throw a million at a guy who's never going to touch the ice, God bless yeah, him. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. This is we <laughs> fine. We as a fan base used to get pissed off because they would put some guy who didn't even belong in the AHL on the on the roster and they give him a start. Right. We're or we're, get we're pretty games. far from the days of Brian Strait and. Oh God, I'm trying to. Th- who was that other guy? Matt, Mike Matow, guys like that. Oh, Mike you know, Motto. Remember, you remember Mike, Mike Motto? Motto? Yeah, oh, man. My God, that oh was yeah. Terrible. That was terrible. We're, thankfully, we're removed. From Marty the, Reasoner if, was the other fact, one. Everyone couldn't stand if Marty you, Reasoner. If you, and, I, and I and I know I'm going to butcher this gentleman's last name. I think Dom Lecision, right on, at the Athletic. He does. He does uh, all yeah, the advanced yeah, numbers. Yeah. He does the season previews. We gave him a hell of a hard time last year for. His his uh, predicting he, he system that was obviously completely wrong yeah. about the Islanders. Now he put another season preview piece out uh, coming into this year. I read it. And yes, as as none of us are surprised, he he expects the Islanders to regress, and and he doesn't think they're going to make the playoffs again. Surprise, surprise. His but, numbers are not, his, his but, logic is not. That's what I don't understand. It's this logic behind why. He's looking at these numbers and why they're going, why they're look, translating to what look, they're, I, they're I know it's, I know it's more sophisticated than this, but it's almost like starting a season in NHL 20 and just hitting the sim button. Yes. And seeing what yes. happens. Now, again, I don't want to take credit away from the work that he does. I'm sure he puts a lot of hard work and time into it. But it's almost just for fun because these games are won on the ice. Exactly. The season standings turn out because of – what happens on the ice. And the Islanders proved that in spades last year. Now, look, I am sure his predictive stats are probably, you know, they have some merit to them. That's why he used them. That's why people subscribe to The Athletic and why people read them. Mm. And, and he does a good job breaking things down. So with all that out of the way, he actually had a lot of nice things to say about the Islanders, particularly their defense, even though he expects them to, you know, have a, a regress, a regression of a season. 
But he basically said that the Islanders have one of the deepest defenses in the league. And he was talking about they do. And he was talking about Pelican Pullock being one of the top pairings in the in the league, which I was not expecting to read, but it's but it's nice are. to see. But if you go by their advantage, you go by their stats, they right. are. Right. Right. So it's hard to argue with at that. least at least, you know, he's being fair and he says, Look, even though I don't think they're gonna do as good this year, here's some good stuff to look out for, which which could lead to a, a better season than I expect. And he had a lot of glowing things to say about the defense and the pairings. And you look at that, and again, very far removed from, from these cast-off guys that the team used to have. And, and you have a guy like Dobson knocking on the door now, who he also expects to make the team. I mean, most people do. I think he would really have to fall on his face in order to, um, at the very least, not get that nine-game look in the beginning of the season. And then you take it from there. But I'm rooting for the kid. I hope he makes it. You know, anything, anything to give them more options and, and, and help this kid progress you know, beyond that junior situation that he's in. We talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. hope he makes it, but I hope, I hope he makes it on merit. I hope that he actually, if he does stick around, it's because they think that he can contribute something this season, even mm-hmm. if he's not in every game. But he's going to have to get at least a decent amount because you want him playing, whether it's down in juniors or in the Islanders. You know, if, he, if, he, if they're going to keep him up, he can't be in the press box every night. So they're going to have to come up with some sort of rotation or go back to what we said before, yeah, and somebody's going to have to be dealt. Right. You already have. I think it's going to have to happen no matter what. And I think it's the you know when it, over the summer we talked about the RFAs, but now it's to the point where when you when you get into training camp, now you're going to look at teams that you know are you missing a defenseman? Does somebody get hurt? Does someone go down with an injury that they're going to be out until Christmas, or worse yet the All Star break or something to that effect? You do you lose a guy for the year? So you're going to have teams that ha- that happens to as well. And then you know then you can kind of look up and say, hey, look. You know, and it depends upon what they're looking for. I mean, are they looking only for futures for Nick Letty, which has kind of been the talk all summer because, you know, they want to stack up on, you know, on some draft picks because at the deadline, are they going to look to, to add if they're in the same position that they were last season? So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is it's, it gets interesting to this point because they have, they have those eight spots right now. And you have guys in Bridgeport who probably should be on the roster at this point. I mean, it's just, does Sebastian Ajo have anything else to prove in the AHL? Or right. you know, I mean, does he? Does I mean, he, I mean, everyone talks about the fact that Noah Dobson, you know, deserves a shot. I think Sebastian Ajo deserves no, a shot I also. Mean, it's look the the defense organizationally was was deep to begin with, and then when you know you add Dobson, you you add Wild, and it's just there's so many guys. And, and this kid that that um, that Andrew was talking about, Samuel Balduke. Oh my God. Right? This kid is 18 years old. He's six foot four and 210 pounds. No, the pipeline is stocked. And granted, you, you don't expect all of these guys to become successful NHL players. No, of course not. But you know they, <laughs> the Islanders have yes, their assets, and the Islanders have such a good chance of having some of these guys land because they have so damn many of them. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah, I'd like to see something happen by way of a trade. But I know. look, you've seen you've <laughs> seen it happen twice already. I mean, look, you know, Pelic Mayfield and 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 Pollock, they're all draft picks, and all three of them have hit so far. And I would say in a pretty in a pretty spectacular way, if you know what I mean. I mean, Pelic and, and Mayfield are, are are not the sexy kind of defensemen like Pollock is, but Devon Taves another one. I mean, these four of those four of your top six defensemen are. Right now, are all homegrown. They're all drafted and 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 and, uh, and grown from through the system. You know, you bring up homegrown. It's funny. A couple of days ago, I was actually looking at that. I was looking at, you know, the the potential roster going into the year. Now, I may be off by by a couple numbers here, but I think out of the potential twenty three man roster you might see, 
going into the season. Somewhere around like 14, they have a potential, potential to be homegrown. And then that's – I think that's even before you count Noah Dobson, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, because, look, you got Barzell, you got Bavillier, you got uh, Lee, course, Lee Nelson, right? Lee, Nelson, Bailey, Bailey Sezikis, yep, Martin, Matt Martin, yep, Devontae's, Ryan Pollock, yep, Adam Pellick, Scott Mayfield. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of them. I mean, it's a good sign. For sure. I mean, you, you remember that this, I mean, God, you go back not too long ago, and I mean, the team was always piecemeal, right? Bringing in whoever the hell you could just to patch it together. And you had, you know, the years of banking on guys like Justin Mapletoft and, you know, guys like that, those, name those guys getting more. hyped up and they never amount to anything. But but, but think about it. I mean, Justin Papano, Matthias Weinhandel, Brad Isbister. Like, how many how many high-round draft picks that this franchise has over have over the last 15, 20 years that you know, you, you read the hype in the in the in the articles that were coming out, and they never amounted to really anything. So now they have this pipeline of guys, and granted, they're not all superstars. One left, one is 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 developing now with the team, but you have guys that are plugging in through the top, all the way down to the bottom of your lineup. That's nice. And it's, you, it's about time. And the funny and the funny thing is, if you look at a lot of you look at a lot of these guys, a lot of them weren't taken in the first round either. You had right. Devon Tapes taken in the fourth. You had uh, Pellick taken in the third. You Lee had in Mayfield. the sixth. Lee in the sixth. Mayfield in the second. Uh, uh, yeah, Mayfield was taken in the second. Sezekis mm-hmm. um, was taken, I think, in the fifth round or the fourth or the fifth round. That I'm not sure. Yeah, he might he have was, been a second rounder. Martin was taken in the seventh round. No, Sezekis was later because yeah. he had that problem with that. Uh, he had that rugby incident. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. that was he was taken later because uh, was uh, there were people that were afraid. Uh, to take him, right, 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 right. But you have a point. Is but you look at you look at they, a lot of these late, a lot of you homegrown know, guys. Yeah, a lot of homegrown guys, and Great. a lot of guys that were taken outside of the first round. It's, it's impressive. All right, so we already touched on Dobson. He's really the only guy on defense that might be able to make some noise in training camp and yeah. challenge for a spot. I don't think there's anybody else really. There's really no more it. spots. Exactly. <laughs> no more spots. So that's covered. If you want to look at the forward group. You got Dal Cole, who everybody's already, you know, beyond penciling into the lineup. Everybody thinks he's going to be in there. He proved himself in the 28 games that he had last season. But we'll mention his name in this group. You have him, you have Josh Hosang, and now you have Ottawa Koivula. Josh Hosang. And I was going to mention him to Andrew, but again, he, he did such a phenomenal job answering the questions we got to that he's just a name I didn't get a chance to bring up. But here I sit, Tony. Here we sit. Going into the 2019-2020 season, and I have to tell you, I am just beyond surprised that this is a name that not only we still have to bring up, but in the context that we're bringing him up, because it's the same story every year. And I'll be honest with you, Tony, I thought they were going to let the kid walk after his contract expired. Okay, an asset, they still might be able to turn him into something, even if he doesn't, you know, crack the lineup with the Islanders. I get that. But it's just all the back and forth. And every time he did come up, it didn't work out for whatever reasons. You know, we can speculate until we're blue in the face. But here we are going into 1920. And we're still wondering, is Josh Hoshang going to be a part of this franchise, a part of this NHL squad? Is he going to is he going to crack the squad now that he has to pass through waivers? Is he going to have a chance? Is he going to start in the press box? Is he going to get a chance on the third line? Or is Leo Komarov cemented in that third line right wing spot as we all expect him to be? Because for whatever reason, Barry Trotz and Lou Lamoureux love him. And there are some 
some good reasons why, and there is a reason why those guys are paid the money that they are to make those decisions. But does Josh Hosang have a chance to get into this lineup? And do you think he will? I mean, I just thought we put this to bed already. And I know I've said this multiple times. Like, this is the last time we're going to speak, speak about this guy. Well, we've said that And about. here we are again. We've said it every year for the last My three years. My God. So. Um, yes and yes. <laughs> okay. Let's put it well, that please way. Please expand on well, that. Okay. So, yes, does he have an opportunity to make this team? Absolutely. This is a team that is looking for offense. And what is the one thing that Josh Hosang does best? Offense. So, yes, he has the yeah, opportunity to do but the one, But the, the reason why Josh Hosang does not get his opportunity is because of Josh. Right. And if Josh and, would just shut the hell up and go <laughs> right. and play. And, but he did that at the end of last season. For the halfway point of last season, through the end of the year, he was one of the best players in the AHL offensively. Good. He was doing what Brent Thompson asked him to do night in and night out. The reason why he didn't get, he didn't get a call up is because they didn't really need anybody at the at the NHL level at that point. Right. They were going into the playoffs. They were playing the way that they were. There was no reason to uh, you know to upset the apple cart at that point. Right. So that being said, but he's, he's got waivers now. Okay, yeah. so now it's, you know, either and part my French, but it's either shit or get off the pot. Okay, he's got to make this team or he's got to go through waivers. And some team somewhere in the NHL is going to say, we got to at least take a look at this guy. He's for free. So right. let's do that. So I'm sure there are I'm sure there are 25 teams in the NHL that are completely scared off of Josh Hosea. Right. And if he gets put on waivers, there is going to be one team that's going to take him. And you run the risk of him going someplace and getting an opportunity and lighting it up. So he is the opportunity. He has always been his own worst enemy. Can he make this team? Yes. If he puts his head down and he does his work and he shuts up and he does what he has to do and he becomes a coachable player, which has been always the knock on him. He has never been a coachable player. Well, I don't know if he's going to shut up because he got his dig in the other day with his, well, I was up for ten games and we went nine and one. That was that was today, actually. I think he said that was that. today. I thought that was today. Today, yeah. yeah. They all they all well. They said, "Can you be?" You know, the question was, and look, you know, he's a smart kid too. So when he gets asked these questions, he comes up with, you know, with a, he's quick witted. So someone said, "Can you be effective at the NHL level?" And he right. goes, "Well, I was up for ten games last year. We were nine and one. So I, I think, think I, I could helped. be effective. I, I think, think I, I helped." He said. Yeah. So yeah, all right. You know, is that a is that a snarky kind of an answer? Yeah. But, okay, I'm sure he's tired of hearing, hey, can you play at the NHL level? Right. Okay, so, yeah, it's a two-way street. So, yeah, at this just point. get out there and prove it, though. Right. You know, it's right. And, and he's an opinionated kid. We've had this conversation a million, million times. You know, we've thought he was going to pass through the system the same way that Kirill Kabanov did years ago, <laughs> that he was just going to disappear into, you know, into the sunset, and that was going to be the end for him. Yeah. But he's still here. But he's so freaking talented that you can't you don't want to give up on him. Yeah. And just when you think that he's going to start to turn a corner, he does something else. Or just when you think he's going to fade into oblivion he, and he, then he he comes back and then he comes back and does something I'm just remarkable. Tired of the to the of the boomerang, man. Well, <laughs> I'm just ready for it to go one way or the other. It's, it's you know. It's to that point because I don't think unless he does something stupid like not show up for for practice one day, well, he's that'll got, make it easy. I don't think he'll pass through waivers. And I think if he plays well enough, I think he makes the team. So, uh, you know, and look, you know, you got, you got to look at what the Islanders did last year, okay? 
it, when it came time to the point where they had a, they they felt that Tom Kuhnhaka was not the best forward to to have on the team, the extra forward to have on the team, they yeah. waived him. They sent him down to Bridgeport. Right. So I have no doubt that they'll do the same thing this year. They're going to keep the players who they feel are best for the roster that they have. So. I think that he is going to get through cuts in camp. I think there's no way they send him through waivers to start. Now, whether he starts opening night, that I'm, I don't think it's so. It's up to him. I, it's I, up to, bro, if I he, think they, you can't say that because if they have five, if they have five preseason games, he's got 11 points in five games, how do you keep him out of the lineup? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And would that shock you? If he put five, 11 points in five games up, would that shock it, you from it him? It can go so many different ways with this kid. I know. It can I know. go any which way. None, none, none of, if you laid out a, <laughs> 10 different ways that it could go with Josh Hosang, not one of them would surprise you. Like, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, that could happen. No problem. You know, it could go any which way. His head could open and a spaceship could fly out, and I don't think I'd be surprised by right. it. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah there's, there's, there's a lot out there. <laughs> but, but I just, I don't know. It's. It, I don't know if if everybody's healthy after camp is is over. I I don't see him on the opening night roster because they love Leo Komarov. Like I, it doesn't come gonna, down. It doesn't come down to Komarov. Like everyone makes this decision about Komarov. I don't think that that's the case. Okay, everyone's that's putting, the only right wing spot he can take. He's not taking Bailey's spot. He's not taking Everly's spot, and he's not taking Clutterbuck's spot. No, he's the not. only spot he can take is Leo Komarov, at least to start. Again, barring any injuries. I mean, they're not going to play him. I doubt they're not going to play him on the left side. Could they throw Bailey on the left side? Yeah, I guess they could. Yeah, that's they an can, option. But that's a maybe. Thing. But you know, not to get into crazy speculation here, but I just a healthy squad. I don't think he gets into the first game on opening night. Now, maybe they get him into a couple games. He plays responsibly the, the way that they want him to play, and he and he helps out the offense. Then hopefully that gets Barry and company. Saying to themselves, look, I mean, it's it's hard to keep this kid out of the lineup, and then maybe they make a he decision where they. He has to force them to keep him here. He right. has to force them to keep. One hundred percent. And so, like you said, he's just got to put his head down, do what's expected of him, be noticeable during this training camp and preseason, put up some points, put your head down, and do what you got to do. Right. That's it. And, and that's really it. I'm not ready to say this is do or die because, again, I think I've said it for the last three to four seasons, and. At the very least, and and he's he's on like his eighth or ninth life for sure, <laughs> but I think he might be handicapping but, at that pal. Sure, but I don't know. I just can't believe we're still having the same conversation about this kid. I thought by now he would either be off the franchise or he would have solidified a spot by now, but he's just been such a, I don't know. I guess enigma's the word, right? It just we don't know what the hell is going to come of this kid, but we know that if he does get his stuff together, that he'll be an asset for this team. Yeah, he'll he'll help the offense. He can be. That, you know, Matt Barzell B on the other line he as is, far as his playmaking ability and his speed and his creativity. I mean, that his could, offensive potential is off the charts. Right. He just needs to be able to to go on the ice and do what they tell him to do. And that's really what it's come down to is that. And it was an article over the summer about him. And it was his former junior coach. It was another coach. It was just coaches that he's had. And it's the same thing. Josh is a great kid. He really is. But you put him on the ice, and you want him to play a certain way, and he just plays the way Josh wants to play. And that's what always been the problem. Yeah. It was the year before when they couldn't get him off on the line change. It was the, you know, and that got him sent down for the rest of the season. Like, it's just been, it's been thing after thing after thing. And he's never gotten into his head 
that if he just goes out there and does what the coach said, mm-hmm. he'll continue to put him out on the ice. Yeah. And he hasn't figured that out yet. And right. look, either he's going to figure it out or he's going to be playing the rest of his, his career in, uh, in the, either the KHL or in Sweden or something. He, that's yeah. where he's going to – or the Swiss League. That's where he's going right. to end up if he doesn't you know, get his head on straight. Well, I'm still rooting for the kid. I hope this is the last time be. that I have to He's a great player. He's, stuff, but he's a talented player. You should be rooting for him. It's just for getting him. exhausting. It is. Probably. The amount getting, of minutes that we've spent on this kid. Getting, is he really? going to play? Is he not? Is he going to make it? We've done a month worth of shows just about <laughs> Josh Hosang. I mean, Seriously. It's, it's crazy. All right. Well, we'll see how things go with him. It's a crowded house up there in the front. But I think you're right. If he does prove himself and earn a spot, He'll get it. He'll eventually get it. You know what? Let's let's see him get into some games. I hope he does. I hope he he does everything we all want because he'll he'll be a help. Okay, Otto Kavula. He's a little easier. He's he's opening eyes. He's a guy who I didn't really hear about until last season when he started lighting up the AHL. So people are expecting better things from him. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to start in Bridgeport. Hopefully, he picks up where he left off. And if the Islanders run into some injury trouble. He's a call up. Maybe if Brizard goes down or doesn't work out, they bring him up. And I don't know if they're going to overlook Fritz or if they're going to overlook Kunakel before they bring him up. But it's nice to hear about this guy having some success in the AHL and that he could be a future asset for this team. He can help out. It's, de- it's depth, mm-hmm. right? If a guy goes down, the Islanders aren't like, oh, no, we got nothing. They got options, you know, that they can bring up now from no Bridgeport, quite, whether no it's about Wallstrom, Bellows, Koivula. Now, maybe not all those guys are ready for the dance, but. At least I think they're they're in that position now where if there is an injury and, and the situation calls for it, there's nothing wrong with bringing up, I think, any one of those guys to give them a shot and see what they can do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, oh, God, this guy's not going to do anything. Right. You know? Right. There's, right. You know, they're, they're, there's, they're not marginal talents. These are, exactly. these are legitimate NHL talents. Exactly. The, the, the sky isn't falling if, if anybody outside of maybe Matt Barzell goes down on the forward core and, you know, and you know they can they can plug one of these guys in, and hopefully they can they can hold hold the fort until whoever that injured player comes back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so I think that Koivula, listen, Koivula has got all the skills, and the only one his weakest his weakest point is that his skating, and it's not elite. Okay, right. it's about it's a little below league average at this point, but it's not to the point where he's not a legitimate prospect. Mm-hmm. But it's just something that he's got to continue to work on. When they when they drafted him, that was the reason why he went where he went was because his skating was terrible, and it's gotten better and better and better over time. And it's a tribute to him because he's put in a lot of work on it. But he still needs to do some work there because I think he rates it like a 45 on a scale on the scale of 20 to 80 that, uh, that Corey Promen puts together, and that's, okay. that's considered below league average. Mm. But they said, but Corey put in his scouting report for, for Corvilla that it was, it's not something that's going to keep him from being able to play in the AHL, that, okay. that he's still trending on, uh, upward in that, in that area. All right, so another asset in the fold. You know, hopefully it becomes something down the road, but it's nice mm-hmm. to know he's down there, and as long as he keeps to have success, then all good things. Right. Goaltending, pretty plain and simple. We know who's playing in the NHL. There's some interesting names that are here that are going to be vying for AHL spots. You have Soderstrom finally healthy. He's going to be vying for a spot in Bridgeport with the uh, elder statesman, Chris Gibson, and as well as Scarich. He's over. That uh, apparently was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I think the expectation was he was going to maybe stay up in Europe, stay in Europe for a little longer. That was the idea that he was going to spend another year there, but I think he had had enough of 
good playing he over wants, there and wanted he wants to, come to play over the to North, North American, American game. Good. He wanted to get adjusted to the North American game. So we have a little healthy competition for the AHL goaltending. I guess one of those are ultimately going to end up in the ECHL or perhaps elsewhere. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it depends. I mean, I, I think they'd like to keep Garrick and Soderstrom around because I'd like to think I think they like to keep an eye on them. Yeah, maybe they flip flop between the A and E and the ECHL. I don't know. Uh, Chris Gibson, as you said, is around. They also signed Jared Carroll, who uh, spent uh, a bunch of years with the Detroit Red Wing organization. He's okay. A, he's a typical like like last season. They uh, forget the guy that they signed last year, but uh, he's a, he's um, oh uh, Jeremy Smith that they had last year oh, in the okay. NHL in uh, in Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. So Carroll is, is pretty much the same thing. He's a uh, he's a um, career AHL goaltender. He's made some spot you know spot starts in the NHL when uh, when injury is called and whatnot, but. Uh, you know, it's this is who it's going to be. So it's these four guys basically. It's Scarrick, Soderstrom, uh, Gibson, and uh, and Jared Carroll at this point. Okay, all right, fair enough. I mean, again, not nothing exciting as far as the NHL team goes. We know what's happening up there. Yeah, so. they'll figure it out. We can move on. So I guess we can talk a little bit about. Well, there's some guys that were dinged up. I guess we can just mention their names: Van de Sample, Holmstrom, uh, this year's, this summer's first round pick, mm-hmm. um, Bobo Carpenter. And Bodie Wilder. Bobo Carpenter and Bodie Wilder all uh, dinged up. Carpenter, uh, the worst of it, he's coming off of sh- uh, shoulder, shoulder surgery, surgery, I believe. He is going to miss the rest of camp. Yeah. So that's um, they. I think they were aware of that, though. Right. All guys that weren't going to be a factor with the NHL squad, it's unfortunate that they're hurt. But I think uh, the rest of them are expected to come back at some point for Holmes camp. Holmstrom's supposed to be on ass tomorrow. There you go. And uh, I believe Wilde is just a couple of days away from being able to skate again. He had a sprained ankle. So those guys. And Vanessa got hurt today. They said that he's doubtful to practice tomorrow. Okay. And as any Islander fan who's been paying attention knows, Andrew Ladd will not be ready in time for the drop of the puck. The guy we so conveniently and easily forget about because he's hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. He uh, has no timetable. We don't know when he's going to come back. Lou Lamarillo was quoted as saying that he will be on the IR until he's ready. And we until he's know. 100%. Right. Which is very, it's an interesting term by Lou there to say that he's not playing until he's 100%. And I see no reason at all why they would need to rush him back because they did plenty fine without him last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not me trying to knock Andrew Ladd. I'm just stating facts. They did fine without him. Right. And Barry had some very nice things to say about him. They said that when he was in the lineup, he thought it was some of his best hockey that he played, which is great. But at least we know they don't need him. So he starts in the IR. There's no hole there. There's not a a big gaping hole because he's out and he's injured. They've they've covered themselves in that that aspect. If the rest of the team remains healthy, he can take his time. He can take his time if somebody goes down then maybe they consider pulling him off a little sooner. But, yeah, let him let him wait until he's 100%. That's and, what, and whatever happens, and, and this is the thing that I think we, should, we, we need to just touch on for a minute, the, the, the NHLPA uh, has to decide by Monday whether or not they're going to open the window uh, to, uh, to void the um, collective bargaining agreement with the NHL by, by Monday. They have to decide. The NHL has decided not to do it. They did it two weeks early, but the NHLPA has until Monday to decide whether or not they're going to cancel it after next season, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be an interesting tale there, because if they do go into a lockout or another, um, if they renegotiate the CBA, which I'm sure, as you can see with the contracts that are being signed, the NHL, the Players Association, under the, the guidance of Don Fear now, have are, are starting to say, hey, these contracts have got to start to come up. 
the the owners are making money. We need to. We need well, to they be, are. Look at look at what's happening with these RFAs now. This is new territory. Yes, these contracts that these guys are right, getting. and that's because yeah. they're holding teams to a barrel under the barrel now, and that they have to, you know, you you know, you're gonna have to pay me this money. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna play until I'm 20, 24, 25 years old at two and a half or three million dollars a season because right. you have the ability to do that. So right. the players wanted to change. Uh, Fear did this with Major League Baseball. He was, you know, very. Uh, very active with lockouts and, 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 and labor problems with Major League Baseball. And you know what? Once they got it right, Major League Baseball has, has uh, prospered. The players have, uh, you know, have their, their contracts have prospered. You know, there have been record profits for, for, for owners. And there's been labor peace in Major League Baseball for a long time now since Don Fear left. So um, it's not as contentious as the last two lockouts, but I think that the players – uh, I would be very surprised if they don't if they don't vote to to open the negotiations, uh, you know, and, and void the, the the CBA. So I, I'd be very very surprised if that doesn't happen. If that does happen, and there isn't renegotiation of the CBA, and the the way that they figure out the salary cap is changed and whatnot, then you're looking at new compliance buyouts. Right. I knew which, that's where you were going. With right. This. So that is a big big thing because I know that the players would probably want it because players. Just because, just to think of it this way, yes, the players don't get the full value of their contract, but then they get to go sign a contract someplace else. So right. I mean, it's it's right. it's not exactly terrible for all 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 parties, right. you know. Right. So and then a, a team doesn't get to have to carry a, a cap hit for a guy like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a it's a beneficial thing to add into the possible to a CBA. So I would look for that. If there's a change sure. in the salary cap, for that to happen, and that's a way you can get out from under a contract like that on a long term deal. Well, that remains to be seen, but yes, definitely something to keep an eye on. But folks, we've been we've been going pretty pretty long here ever since uh, Andrew joined us. So an we hour, should, we're, and we're going long tonight because we had so much to cover. We had a whole summer's worth of stuff happen. that you know went on, and you know, so we appreciate you sticking with us. We're we're gonna take a quick break here. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk a little more aisles. Maybe look a, look a little bit at the metro and what happened there, and then we'll wrap this thing up. So, folks, thanks a lot for tuning into Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York at HockeyNightNY.com, the premier live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large from our studios right here on Long Island, hosted by Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Tune in weekly during the season Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time for insights on the team, great special guests, and commentary on all the happenings around the league. If you happen to miss us live, all shows can be streamed or downloaded 24 hours a day seven days a week at the same address, HockeyNightNY.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, where you can subscribe and never miss a show, no matter what your preferred platform. Question for the guys? Comments? Interested in the sponsorship? Please contact us at HockeyNightNewYork at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. We appreciate all the support, and as always, let's go Islanders. Love repping your favorite Long Island hockey team? Can't get enough orange and blue swag? Look no further than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. Visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and yes, even pajamas. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HockeyNightNY for 10% off your order. 
That's YesMenOutfitters.com. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Thanks a lot for sticking with us on this Friday night. If you happen to be listening to us live, we're we're happy to know that you're as big a loser as we are on this Friday night. <laughs> with nothing to do. Speak for yourself, pal. <laughs> I'm just having some fun. No, thanks a lot, folks. We appreciate it. We were really excited to get back in the saddle here and do the show and uh it's been a lot of fun. We're looking forward to another full season here talking aisles. So once again, appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate all the uh, the positive love you guys have been giving us. It uh, means a lot and it keeps us going. So hopefully another great season here to come. So, Tony, let's take uh, the next potential 28 minutes, if we need them, to wrap this show up. Just to continue off where we left off, we talked about Andrew Ladd, the only other guy who was in question as far as injuries go was Mr. Cal Clutterbuck, and by all accounts, he's good to go. He's ready. Full participant today, so Full participant. Uh, I saw there Knocked was Kavula on his ass. Yeah, so that that's what I was waiting to hear, that he was going to be still using his body for the reasons we, we've come to to enjoy his, his play mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League. Well, so that's a good sign that even was... after this back surgery that he had, that he can still throw his body around. Well, we just got to wait and see if it holds up. Yeah, well, that's obviously you want to see how it, how it holds up in the long run. But it's, it's not just a, that we enjoy seeing him play that way. It's the only way that he's effective. You know, he, and you've seen. Right. We know his role on that line. Right. He's, right. he's got to be playing the way that he plays in order to be effective. Otherwise, right. he's, just, he's just another guy out there. Yeah. So when Kyle Clutterbuck is, his, is himself and he's playing and he's somewhat healthy, which, look, he's only going to be somewhat healthy until the middle of October the way he plays. He's like a wrecking ball out there. So, yeah. you know, he's always going to have something going on. But, I mean, the guy, when he is somewhat healthy and he's out there and he's effective, he's throwing his body around. He scores those timely goals. He makes a play when you need him to. He's, you know, he's he's a valuable guy to have on your team, but he's got to be healthy. And you saw he was not himself at the end of last season. Correct, correct. So, where do we take it from here? You you you, you derailed me here. You I derailed. Der- How did I derail you? I just this was your this was your topic. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Well, look, you know, my fault. Okay, so he's healthy. That's good. I. I I'm very surprised. I thought he was going to be hurt like Ladd, at least, you know, the start. I didn't think he was going to make camp. When you heard about the type of injury he right. had, how when could you not? When you get some discs removed from your back, I thought that would be a little longer term. But he's back, and he looks fine, and that's good because, you know, the Isles need that fourth line rolling. I mean, with such a resurgence with him, Sezekis, and, and Martin last year, hopefully they can just keep that going because uh, Barry liked to roll them out. You know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe not as much as Jack Capuano, but he likes to roll them out there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and they were they were very effective. Huge. Casey Huge. with 20 goals. Martin was, you know, back to his old, uh, his old ways. Uh, it's hard not to want to have those guys healthy and available out there. I'll tell you that much. Right, for sure, for sure. So, 
I mean, we could talk about line combinations, but I think everybody kind of knows how it's going to shake out. I think the only line really in question is that third line that we mentioned. You know, it's going to depend the on who's out there. Yeah, the only only other thing is, you know, we're probably going to see Bavillier start in that first line with Barzell and Everly. Uh, we'll that would be that would be my thought. I believe that was how Staple had his lines uh, on the on his piece today, mm-hmm. and that makes sense to me. I mean, it certainly makes more sense than Thomas Kunakel. You know, I think no I think at least to start that. the season, Barry Trotz is going to give Bavillier a chance to to see what he can do with Barzell and Eberle, and that can end up being a really dynamic line. I just want to I just want to point out, and I'm I'm not trying to just say that this is there's anything to this, mm-hmm. but they did have Oliver Wallstrom with with Barzell today in that first that first grouping. Yes, but Barry Trotz very I, clearly I, said, I, "Do I not know. put any stock in mm-hmm. anything you see." And okay. these line combinations. Okay. So, so I won't put any stock in it. I just noticed. That's fine. Make some notes. Didn't wasn't there also a line with Johnston skating next to Barzell? Also, that was the other guy. That was pointed out too. Yeah. Was yeah. The other guy. So I mean, come on. I, I mean, just, I can point out the fact that the guy was on the line. That's you're fine. right. You, but you, you're you're doing it in, in a way where you want people to read into it, Tony. No, I don't. And I'm calling BS, man. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I think Bo ends up on the line <laughs> with Barzell and Everly to start the season. Mm-hmm. And then I think more or less, you know, where everywhere else is going, right? You're going to have Lee. You're going to have Nelson. You're going to have Bailey. Likely Dalcall. Likely, well, not likely. Broussard is going to be there at center pivot on the third line. And likely Komarov, unless somebody like Hosang or otherwise really shows their stuff in camp. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we're going to see at least a start. We already know what the fourth line is going to be. Done deal. I think we have a decent idea what the pairings are going to look like on D. Maybe it's just a matter of how the ice time is, is doled out this season. And what happens with Dobson? What happens with Dobson? If he makes the lineup, if he does, are they going to throw him right out there? Are they going to platoon him? Because, you know, I don't, I don't know if Mayfield's coming out of that lineup because of how well he played with Taves last year. Again, this is going to come down they to could whether take or not though, they, who knows. It also it, it depends upon injury. Depends upon if they make another move. There's yeah. there's there's some things in play here. So, I can I can tell you right now. I mean, look at the way they used look at the way that they used Devontae when he came up last year. I mean, yeah, right. he was playing what 14 minutes a night for the first what two or three games, mm-hmm. and then he was back to 17, 18 minutes a night right. pretty much right after that. So, right. I mean, yeah, is he going to be a 22 minute a night defenseman right off the bat? No, but. I think that if they put him out there, they're going to use him. They're not going to put him in the lineup to, to shield him. Agreed. Agreed. So, yeah, there's there's some potential moving parts, or it's just status quo. We'll we'll see. There's a couple of weeks before puck drop, but I think some kind of shoe has to fall here with the defense. Something's got to happen. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Okay. Tony's very confident that a move is going to be made. We shall see. He's been confident about moves being made in the past, and he's been wrong. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe this time I'm, he'll be right. I just want to. I just want to preface that I'm usually wrong. But yeah. okay, I mean, thank you. That's this time I was getting. At. I I feel confident that I'm I'm not <laughs> totally off being wrong. All right, yet. we'll see. We'll Somewhat see. confident. All right, so we looked at camp. We looked at the potential roster. Um, couple. I guess we'll just look at. You know, I mean, the job Lou's done so far. You got a cha- coaching change with Jim Hiller, replacing Scott Gomez. We kind of already talked about that already. We hope that. He ends up being a positive acquisition for the power play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we spent a little time on it already, so we don't really need to rehash. But I guess, you know, I kind of alluded to the fact that I was a little disappointed that they didn't bring in a top six guy, much like the, the rest of the fan base. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on Lou kind of, I guess, playing a conservative? I mean, look, I, I think he, he definitely dangled some lines in the water and it just didn't shake out the way he wanted. 
But I'm sure he made the attempts outside of Panarin to try to improve that top six. But given that it hasn't happened up until this point, day one of training camp, what are your feelings on that? Well, look, we obviously know that he was in on Panarin. They know that you know that he was the highest bidder on Panarin. So look, you can't you can't fault him there. The guy just he chose another he chose another option and chose less money. So you can't blame Lou for that. Uh, you want to say you put all his eggs in one basket. I mean, there really wasn't that much out there other than Panarin. Panarin was the only elite forward that was available via free agency this year. Okay. That was worth the money that they were offering. So sure. you look at trades. Yeah. There really wasn't that many trades out there, guys. I mean, it just wasn't, you know, everything was held up by this RFA process. Now hearing today that that Marner did not sign one of the two offer sheets that was, that were put to him. And with all the speculation out there that there that there were offer sheets out there, I have no doubt that one of those two offer sheets that were probably that were prepared probably was from Lou. I don't doubt that. I would but, I would say that at the very least there was a phone call between Lou and the agent. Whether he actually wrote up a contract and slid it across the table, we're never going to know. Right. But, but again, it seems to be there was a lot of there was a lot of speculation that there was going to be an offer sheet there. Mm-hmm. Was Lou going to was going to Lou going to table that offer sheet if he didn't think that the kid was going to sign it or if he had an opportunity? I thought yeah. we talked about this at the end of last year. Right. Lou was not going to put himself in a position to look foolish. Right. So, you know, is that it was was that the case? Possibly, but you, you, there was way too much chatter around that that for that to not be you know for, for there to be nothing there, and then really. Everybody else has kind of been held up. I mean, you know, you could say, you know, oh, Ryan Dezingle signed for a, a, a small amount of money uh, when he went to Carolina, which is a team in your own division. And you look at what some of the other teams did at the draft and, oh, maybe they didn't have a great draft. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I can't argue with anything that Lou has done to this point. I really can't because he came in here. He lost Tavares. He didn't lose him. I mean, he, the guy left. If you so. want to nitpick, you can. But, yes, in the grand scheme. The thing that you can't look at what happened to this organization since he's taken over, what, yeah. they've, what they've accomplished on and off the ice, right. the whole Belmont thing, the, the, the fact that, the, you know, talk to anybody who's around this team. Andrew, Andrew said it during, during the spot we had him, that he's, he's, he's transformed this franchise, and he has. And has it been the fact that, he hasn't had the opportunity to bring any players in. You know, he got turned down twice by two top-end talents, okay, yeah. on July 1st, two years in a row. So, yeah, it's, it, you know, it, it, I, I, I asked that question to Andrew specifically for this reason. You know, is it the, is it the uncertainty? What has to happen in order to be able to bring that big fish in here? You see other teams in order to do it. You see teams in other cities that are able to do it, you know, teams in places all, you know, all across, you know, North America. It's it's going to happen at some point once there is that building that you can just walk into. Like not that oh it's under construction. Oh it's there's a shovel in the ground. Oh it's coming. Oh it's this. Oh it's that. When it's there and someone can walk into it, yes, that's what's going to be it. But another part of it is that the franchise is not a walking joke, and it was like that for many many years until the until Ledecky and Malkin bought the team and brought Lou and Barry in here. So all of these things are pushing in that direction, and honestly. They have assets, they have flexibility, they have good players on this team, they have a very, very strong defense, they have pieces, they have a, a good team with a great coach. Yeah, and, and like Barry said, I say screw the analysis. I think it doesn't he's going to have the team the playing at a high level. 
I think this team is going to surprise again. I think they're going to be fine. It's just, for me, it's just getting to that next level. You know, you know, finishing fifth overall is amazing. You know, getting to the second round of the playoffs for the second time in recent history, great. Fantastic. But let's, let's get to that next step, mm-hmm. you know. And, and is, is the answer to that going to come from outside this organization? Perhaps. Possibly. It does, does a deal need to be made? Maybe. Or maybe it does come from within. But at least to start this season in October, I think they're going to be playing at a high level. I think they're going to be competing for the top of the division again barring any injuries, because remember, we, we, we have touched on this last year. They were very healthy last year. They were. And that was a big benefit to why they had such a great year. So, knock on wood, that continues this year. But and they if, got some depth, too, man. So, right. Like, if, there, if there are some injuries, hopefully they're in spots where they can, they can survive, like I said before, and they can plug in some guys who not only can fill the role admirably, but also open some eyes and maybe... Not, you know, say, hey, look, guys, I'm ready. I'm ready to be on this team full time. Well, let's, look at, let's do it. Look at last year when Boychuk went down, right? Now, Boychuk went down two years ago, right? And the Islanders went in the toilet, right? They yeah. could not come back from the fact that Boychuk had gone down in the middle of December, and they went into a tailspin after that, a yeah. complete tailspin. Right. That, would, that took them down to being one of the worst teams defensively in the history of this game. And then you lose him last year, and you bring Devon Taves up, right? And you lose Hickey, who was playing major minutes for this team, too. And you bring Taves up, right? And you knew, obviously, you knew you had him down there. But you bring him up, he steps right in, and then the guy, the guy who left the lineup came and get back in the lineup. And he was a key piece before he walked out. So you, you have depth. You have depth on that blue line, which is the most important thing. You know as well as I do that your six guys are not going to stay healthy the entire season. So to have two and three and four guys deep that you can plug into a lineup and not really have to worry about putting them out there 15, 16 minutes a night, that's a tremendous advantage over most teams in the NHL. Oh, no doubt about it. Arthur Staple pointed that out, too. The fact that you have a guy in Thomas Hickey, who's your seventh or eighth defenseman, who could be a 5-6 or at least a 6 on a lot of other teams in the NHL. Almost every other team in the NHL. Right. I mean, that says a lot. Third pairing is better than most teams' second pairing. And you have Nick Letty being slotted as in the third pairing with Johnny Boychuk. He's a top four pretty much – you Easily. know, almost throughout the rest of the league. Easily. So, Easily. yeah, the D is extremely deep. On, on, on an inexpensive contract, no less. Yes, yes. For, for, for his age, for what he's done in his career so far, a very reasonable contract for Nick Letty. But that's probably the contract they're going to have to unload if and when they want to add more salary. Right. So, moving on. I mean, we pretty much covered the team up and down. I think the only big news left from over the summer since we were last talking aisles here was that Belmont, the arena, got all their approvals. The official shovel is not in the ground. However, they are making way. They are clearing space. They got bulldozers in the dirt, getting ready for that first official shovel to go into the ground. So, folks, this is happening. We've said it a million times in this show, but they, they they jumped through every other hoop they needed to. They got the approvals they needed, and they did not waste any time. Getting onto that same property. Same afternoon, they got the, the right. approval. They, they started clearing trees. Exactly. Same day. So it's happening. People are waiting for shovels. It's essentially started already. We'll get the official shovel soon. But a couple weeks. And I guess we have to at least touch on this because it came out in the last few days. we got to talk about the village of Floral Park. They're filing. They're attempting to file a lawsuit. Oh, they didn't attempt. They did. Okay, they're filing a lawsuit against the team or, or against the arena 
management, the people who are building the arena. Empire State Development is the first named. Even better. Yeah. Okay. That was, that was it. And then the uh, the uh, New York State Oversight uh, Financial Board and uh, New York Area Partners. Which okay. Is, Thank which you for is, clarifying. So those are the three main defendants on the Gotcha. Agency. So, that being said, this is just a show, folks. Nothing is going to come of this. I wouldn't worry. I know it's many people's first instinct to see a potential roadblock in the way, and your first instinct is to worry, and, oh, my God, is the, is the project going to get shut down? Is it going to get halted? Nothing's going to come of this. This $50,000 budget that Floral Park, I would say, I was going to say has, but had <laughs> after they filed this lawsuit, mm. is probably gone. Nothing, it, you don't even have to really go any further into it. Nothing's going to come of it. Do not worry. The building is getting built, and that's pretty much the end of it. I don't see how – I, I mean, Jim Bongback and Newsday and Randy Marshall, they got to cover it because it's news. Right. They're going to tell us about it. Right. But at the end of the day – They don't even seem concerned, so – Right, exactly. I, I mean, Randy Marshall was having a good laugh, I think, at one or two things that were – because, you know, they had, they had the explanation as to why they were filing the suit. I mean, the hilarious soft, – Soft target for terrorism. Yes, did yes, I did see that. Yeah. That, was, that was humorous. And just the fact that the building's not even being built in Floral Park. Well, that's it's getting built thing. in Elmont. Well, this is this is this is the thing. I, I have a friend of mine, Steve, and uh, he Steve. listens. He listens every week, and he's a uh, he's a lawyer. And uh, I said to him, I said, "Did you have a chance to look at the paperwork?" And he goes, and he said, "I did." He said, "Just a little bit." And he said, "I don't see how any judge could possibly." Invoke a a stop work order right. based upon what is in this document. Right, and that's all I've and I'm read. Like, well, that's good enough for heard. me. <laughs> right, right. So, it's, thank you, Steve. Right for uh, for providing that info, and I hope that uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's just noise, and you know, from what I read too, I mean, something like this was expected too. Somebody was gonna, you know, get upset about the project and forget about the other little people that were trying to stop the project before, but something a little more formal like this lawsuit coming to pass here. It was expected, and and we've said this before on the show, that everybody involved with pushing this project forward has crossed every T, dotted every every I. I. They anticipated any and every scenario that was going to come into play that might have been a potential roadblock into getting this thing done. They prepared. They did everything they needed to do. I would say they probably went beyond, and it's going to be full steam ahead from here on out. Mm -hmm. So... All those designs that we're starting to see come out, the the renderings and stuff, eventually that's going to be real life, and there's going to be an ice hockey arena, an NHL ice hockey arena in Belmont. Beautiful renderings, by the way. That be- oh, if yeah. If the building and it looks anything yeah. like the pictures, it's going to be absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. So we can put that to bed. Don't worry about Floral Park, and and don't litter when you drive through there, because it's not every resident. Don't honk your horn. Don't. <laughs> they're, very, they're very concerned about horn honking. Don't, don't honk litter. Horn. Don't honk your horns. Don't flip off the resident's the bird to the residence because you'd have to go out of your way to actually get there. That's the thing that kills me is that you're not even driving through there. Yeah, well, I, they're just on the outskirts of the. They're worried about propane tanks and being a soft target for terrorism. Yeah, whatever. Really? Yeah. Really? It's it's, it's entertaining if nothing else. No, it's not really entertaining. It's, well, it's, it's just funny to to see that these are the gripes, you know. But again, it's, but this it's is not the, and this is thing. the thing that yeah. actually I thought was actually entertaining was that they said they had a meeting set up right with the governor's office, yeah, and, and the guy in charge of the, of the project essentially, and they they told them that they wouldn't file the, the any type of litigation until after the meeting, you know, until after they had the results of the meeting, and right. they did 
anyway. So like wow. if you want if you really were doing this because you wanted some type of change right. or you or or you were concerned about something, you would have gone to the meeting and then filed. Right. So going back on your word basically is just telling these people I can't be trusted. It's just so right. it, this, it, it's so tra- it's, it's amateur gonna, hour. It's going to be in and out of the news before we it's know so it. Silly. It's so silly. It's just so silly. Bottom line is it's nothing to lose sleep over. We, we talked about it because it's news. It's not important, and we can move on. So speaking of arenas, a couple days ago I floated a little tweet out there saying that there will indeed be more games moved to the Nassau Coliseum. A uh, little birdie told me that I have full confidence this is this is a source that I've had over the years that has been very reliable in the past. Every now and then he'll throw me a nugget, and uh, it'll come to pass. And this happens to be one of those times. So even though there has not been an official announcement, there will be a number of games added to the Coliseum that will put them roughly towards that 75-25 split of games now. If it doesn't end up being exactly, you know, 30 games and 10 games, it may not, but it's going to be right in that area. That's that's what I've been told. I'm sticking with it, fully confident. In fact, I believe there was a uh, mailer, an email that went out to season ticket holders this week that mentioned that individual game tickets will be going on sale next week. So I would have to think in the next couple of days that with that in mind that will probably also be the release of the news that some games are being switched over from Barclays to Nassau Coliseum. Don't they have the first game of the Coliseum on Tuesday? Monday the, or Tuesday? I think it's Tuesday. Yeah, I think Andrew mentioned that it was Tuesday. I mean, we could just as easily look at our computer screens and figure that out. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Okay. But, I mean, I, it's it's soon. I, I, it's, oh, uh, no. But, there it is. Yes, Tuesday the 17th. Philadelphia is coming to okay. NYCB Live. I would have to Coliseum. think that they would... They would put tickets on sale well look by tuesday tony i mean the fact that it's gotten to september 13th and there's still no individual tickets on sale i have never seen this before well the rangers the put their, their their individual tickets on sale i think uh yesterday really maybe i think they put theirs but uh, the are usually, fair enough but i, I do, do not remember a season no, where it went near this far no, it's usually the end of August. Into the offseason without individual tickets going on sale. I mean, a lot of teams, they put them out in July and some in August, like you said, but yeah, I've never usually, seen this before. Usually, like the middle and, of the end of August. And the only reason that I can come up with, and I can only assume that they are tied together because of what I'm it very confident is going to happen, is that I, I imagine they had to, you know, get to the table, discuss which games are going to be moved. You know, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be any like date changes or time changes. Hopefully not. But fact is, there's going to be more games at the Coliseum. It's going to be around the 75-25 split. And I would like to think that that news is going to come next week because it, look, if they're going to put those tickets on sale, people need to know the information on where they're going to be because nobody's going to buy them if they're not sure where they're, where they're going to be playing the game. I would. I would also. I would be absolutely shocked if all the games are not at the Coliseum next year. Oh, next year. I would say they're gonna, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you two reasons. One, you know, it would be the final year going into Belmont. It's 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 exactly what's gonna happen. Well, yeah, but the second, but the second reason, the second reason is is that I think the NBA is going to be involved in this negotiation as well because next season, because as you know, Barclays Center always prefers the Nets. That's their their home, their number one home. That may tennis. have had something to do with it this season, adding the more games now. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. It's possible. But next season with Durant coming back. He is one of the, you know, he is the sure. one of the marquee stars sure. of the NBA. 
So I guarantee you that all of those those dates are gonna they're gonna want to keep the the Barclays Center wide open for New Jersey for uh, Brooklyn Nets games. So I, I'm I'm gonna assume just based upon that and the fact that it's the last year before they move to Belmont, I would think that all of the games if, are gonna if, be. If you're getting to a, a 75-25 split yeah, by this what's season, what's the difference at that point? Next year, just throw them all at the costume. It's gonna happen. It really. It's I mean, been the NHL, no, I think, look, at this point. But I think it's been the no, NHL. But as, as long as, but I think the owners have shown it. They'll do whatever needs to be done in order to to make it. Now that now that Belmont is officially happening, now that the NHL knows they're getting their state of the art arena, mm-hmm. all that jazz, they're gonna be like, go ahead, guys, you play that do full it, season. Do at what the you want to do. And I would have to think that playoff games will probably be at the Coliseum this year too. I don't think they're going to do what they did last year. It all it all revolved around Belmont. Now that that's happening, they'll they'll play their majority of games at the Coliseum this year. And I would have to think the playoff games will be in uh in the Coliseum. Or who knows? Maybe we'll we'll hear those reasons that we got last year. Oh, you know the media they can't hold them all. You know we, they have to go second round and be on a Barclays. We'll see if that changes. We've I I I've, but I have a feeling both, it will. We've both worked playoff games in the press box, and yet there's there is no room. There was no room, but <laughs> you figure it out. <laughs> I mean, in yeah, all I seriousness, guess, I guess so. Yeah. You figure it out. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, it's all good stuff. Everything is trending in a good direction. Most of the games at the Coliseum. Then eventually, we'd like to think all the, all games at the Coliseum, and then the brand new arena opens, and then we can put this whole damn arena BS to bed after decades, decades. I told you I was worrying about it. I was in high school. Good God! It's my twenty fifth with my twenty fifth high school reunion this 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 fall. Man, <laughs> you're 20, old, man. Exactly, twenty five yeah. years. I've been out of high school. And we've been talking about this since I was, I think, uh, either a sophomore or a junior. Well, we're finally in the closing chapters. Praise be. Thank goodness. <laughs> All right. So we got a few minutes to go here. And, you know, I, I just, I guess we'll try. I just wanted to touch on the, the metro, metro change. You know what? We'll just save that. We'll save that for next show. Sure. Because it's not going to be enough time. And, you know, let's, let's wrap things up here. So, Tony, anything you want to throw in, add in these last few minutes before we head out? Anything in? No, I think we've talked think about we've everything. Much covered everything. You know, happy we're you know we're back. Absolutely, and doing what we love to do. And yeah, man, it's been a fun summer. We, uh, you know, we've, we've we've talked to uh, you know through Twitter. We've talked to a lot of uh, a lot of people. We had a you know a lot of positive vibes uh, coming into the season, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. You know, another another great year. I think it's our fifth year to doing the show, right? Is it five years now, maybe. Yeah, that sounds about I right. Know. I don't even know. Four I think or five. five Four or five. Well, together, I mean, we, we've been doing shows together for ten years. No, now. no, yeah, eight, no. Eight as far years. as as far as this show goes, yeah. yeah, it's been about it's been about four or five years. I think it's five. I think we started that fourteen fifteen season when mm-hmm. they when they had that good run um, into the playoffs and whatnot when they played Washington the first round. I think yes. that was our first that was season. our first season. So that would so be, yeah, it's gone fast, five. but it's been a lot of fun. But but folks, we're gonna get back on that. Uh, we're going to see how it goes between now and the beginning of the season. We'd like to do a show the next couple of Sundays leading in. Maybe we'll have to take one off maybe next week just because there may not be anything to talk about. There may not be any news. If there is, we'll be on it. So we will definitely update you on next Sunday. But after that, full steam ahead. You're going to have us 9 o'clock on Sundays throughout the season. Plenty of great guests. Uh, we're gonna we're looking into getting some more live shows too, some more live events. So we'll definitely let you guys know about that. A lot of fun in store, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you guys tuning in and having fun with us here on Hockey Night in New York. 
Remember, you can always listen to us live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. You can follow Tony at Tony Stabile on Twitter. You can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. And I think that's all she wrote. So for Tony Stabile, my name is Sean Cuthbert. Have a great weekend, folks. We will talk to you soon. Big thanks to Andrew Gross from Newsday as well. Take care.